We are officially okay. live episode number 80. <laughs> is it really number Gerard, 80? Michaels, <laughs> Adam up? Sauce, and Barry Habib is back here with us, wow. sporting a nice jacket and a shirt, and we got regular. I mean, you, you're looking pretty good, though. You got your I white do what shirt I can. on. I do what sporty. I can. So I don't know. What, sometimes you're just, like, casual. Sometimes you're in a three-piece I, suit. I like being unpredictable. Yeah. I want Gerard you to is not very know predictable. He know what I'm going to be wearing. And comfortable. Okay, so what happened to you today? You said something happened to you on the way. You got oh a speeding God. ticket on your bicycle. No, What's... I just uh, – no, speeding ticket on my bicycle. <laughs> yeah, that was, those are the days. So I went. I crashed a wedding this weekend uh, from a buddy of mine from college. I wasn't so much crashed. I just wasn't invited. But they're like, yeah, last minute, a couple of friends are coming. And I ran into a bunch of my friends that I haven't seen in a while, obviously since COVID and everything. And they're like, yo, Saz, like, why don't you uh, be in the group chat like with all the boys, like like the good old days? I was like, all right, let's, let's give it a shot. Wow, did I not realize. Like everything we talk about here um, on more, you know, right-leaning, you know, open ideas. My friends are super liberal. Like, I, they're yelling at me. I'm the weirdo conservative mm -hmm. in my friend group. So, obviously, I don't got to expand about what I've why, talked why about here on this podcast. Why am I surprised, though? No, like, but what, it's so... Are you expecting, like, a no-way no, type of a situation? Oh, yeah, but it, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like Ronnie Dangerfield. No respect. On yeah. the left, they, don't, they, they, they talk shit. They're, they think I'm an idiot. They think I'm a MAGA guy. I'm clearly not. On the right, they think I'm a, a soy boy. Well, I, I am soy man. <laughs> they think I'm a socialist, I, I socialist, you were communist. Tell a different story. It's like, yeah, I know. You didn't we see talked this one about this. But it's like I'm in the freaking middle. I'm in the freaking middle. You lost a lot of friends, you know, when you were playing yeah. for the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna tell us a story like that, yeah, but we've no. Lost the, we've lost a lot of good men I mean, out there. Lost a lot of good men out there. Playing for the Yankees. Playing for the Yankees. I don't want to talk about it. Trades, free agency. You never know. Anyways, this guy crashes a $500 plate wedding. That takes save that money to a whole new level. Well, my point is, I'm in the middle. I know where I'm at now. There's a birthday coming up. You may want to crash. Somebody's turning 60 years old. I don't know if you know or not. This man who is a former president oh, my is boy, turning Barack. 60 yeah, years old. Would you go to that party? You're not I, invited? I, the, I'm surprised you're not invited, not to, invited to that. How are you not on that list? How do they do it's that again without inviting you? never know. Anyways, we got a lot to talk about. I heard that you about. might be throwing a party for Obama and Trump. Yes. Uh, and uh, maybe you're, uh, you know, the MC of this you, wedding. You know what's crazy? So this yeah. whole thing with $5 million yeah, with Trump and Obama. I was on Fox and Friends and we talked about it. And we've raised another million dollars. So we're shy of $6 million. You give $10,000, which was very nice of you. But we're at uh, 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 shy of $6 million. You know, what's the, you know what's the craziest thing about the story? Here's what's the craziest mm. thing about the story. One of the guys gave $137,000. Okay? Now, this guy who gave $137,000, guess where he's based out of? I told you the story yesterday. Yeah, yeah. He's a corporate lawyer from India. Mm. So... In email, we ask, why are you giving this $137,000? You don't even live in America. Look at his answer. He says, you know why I'm giving $137,000? Mm. Because when U.S. is at peace, the rest of the world does good. Hell yeah. When Love U.S. That. isn't at peace, we feel it. Mm. I want to see whatever I, whatever I can do to help unify U.S., the rest of us are going to do better. A corporate attorney from India Gave $137,000. Oddly like specific Trickle-down socioeconomics, political... <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, wow. What Go a response. Have you, heard, have you heard back from either of the two camps? We're talking right now to, you know, both of them. You know, not yet at the yeah. direct direct contact. I'm two away from the contact. Is that, but, uh, is that like a million rupees? Why 137? Very oddly And specific. by the way, any, any money you give today in the Super Chat, any money you give today in the Super Chat, 100% of money given today in the Super Chat is going to go to the... the 
raising up the funds oh, to yeah. make that money go higher. Whatever you give, give $100, $10, $500, $1,000, $1, whatever you give, it's going to go to 100% of uh, raising more money to make this Trump-Obama thing happen. By the way, I got to tell you, mm -hmm. more and more people talk about it, the more and more conviction goes higher that this can, this can happen. More mm -hmm. and more. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about what the first question you'd ask is? The format I've thought about is the following. And let me tell you what's the, what the, what's the one thing I'm most excited about. The format is, first hour, I'm asking questions. Second hour, what the audience wanted to ask questions, because it's a long form. Mm -hmm. Third hour, I say nothing. I just simply moderate, and I sit in the middle, and I say, what questions do you guys have for each other? And they talk. The last hour is the one I'm, that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. So lady on Twitter, Kai, if you can pull up this Twitter account and, and, and show what she said. Whatever she said, many people have said the complete opposite on the other side. So... Uh, a, a lot of people are making videos on YouTube right now talking about should this happen, should not happen. People are writing articles about it. Three China websites wrote about this yesterday, by the way. That's just great. So you know. That's what we want. Yeah, we have a big Chinese following. So yeah, keep, my, my keep, going, keep going right there. So we have this lady who says, not this one, go back, uh, go up, go, yeah, keep going the direction you're going. Okay, right there. So she says, President Barack Obama should go nowhere near Trump for the rest of his life. Neither should President Biden or any other honest, caring elected officials. You gave us character, honesty, grace, strength, and joy as a world leader. The circus is over. Happy birthday early, Mr. President. It's more like happy early birthday, Mr. President, but it's okay. So then she retweets the, the Fox and Friends deal. And then go back up, Rochelle Riley. She's verified, so I think she's an author. I said comments like this is exactly why America is divided. The idea of both sides thinking they're too holy to sit down with the opposing party is how we got here. MLK was willing to sit down with just about anyone to unite America. Be loyal to America, not just your political party. Mm -hmm. Now, guy makes a video, says a complete opposite thing. President Trump should never sit down with President Obama because Obama is this. Obama is how we got here. Obama is how we divided America. Mm -hmm. So this isn't like a one-sided thing. There's both sides that don't want the other person to sit there. But I'm going to tell you this here. A couple things. Number one, um, who did President Obama go meet with in March of 2015, I want to say? Was who did he go it, meet with? George in, Bush Sr.? i got to check my notes. 2015, uh, who did he go meet with in a country that he went, and it was the first president since uh, Grover, I mean, no, since, uh, who was it? Since the president since Coolidge that visited Cuba. He went oh, and okay, sat down yeah. in Cuba. He was in Cuba for three days, and he watched a baseball game with who? With Raul Castro. Raul Castro. Fidel's brother. world's like, are you kidding me? You're mm -hmm. sitting down with a communist mm -hmm. in a regime like Cuba, and you're willing to go laugh and watch a game with them. Who did Trump go sit down with in North Korea? North Korea. So if Trump can sit mm -hmm. with Kim Jong-un, and Obama can sit with Raul Castro. I am sure they can sit down with each other. I agree. If those two can sit down with those two guys, you can definitely sit down with each other. You because got, this you got is the, uh, the, the, the hamster wheel spinning up there, Gerard. Uh, what do you think? Wasn't that like Clinton and George Bush Sr.? I mean, they developed a great friendship, phenomenal right? Phenomenal relationship. Yeah. Yeah. See, different, different opposing sides of you know free enterprise or, or free market system, I, I can very much see where them sitting down together is beneficial. I, I don't necessarily know if like sitting down with a, tis, a, a tyrannical like despotic leader is is really that that good like i don't i don't i don't think sitting with chavez or sitting with Raul castro or even kim jong-un is really this I, isn't about whether that was good or not we're not going to go back and relive that the point is if you sat with them and half the country didn't support you sitting with them 
Why are you not willing to sit down with another president oh, like yourself? You know, and well, sit down and have we, a conversation. We talked about with them. it before. Yeah. I mean, this is—they literally have something in common that what only four other living people, five other living people have in common. They've shared a space that literally only a uh, actual handful of people can even remotely understand. Um, I, I would love to see it. I think that it would—it would be—it would—it would be history. You would make history. Now, how you can convince them not to wear earpieces and not just regurgitate talking points for three hours and. You know, I don't know, but I don't, I don't think either think it, of them. By the way, do I don't oh, think. Yeah, I don't think. I don't I, and by the way, here's the other part. Say they do that, it won't work. It will not work, because both will call the other one out. I don't think that'll work. You have to realize both of them are pretty sharp and pretty bold. Neither one of them are weak and pushovers. You're not dealing with a Biden, and you're not dealing with somebody on the right that's a easy pushover that you may not want to debate. Paul Takes, Ryan. Okay, you're you're dealing with somebody that. You know, both of them are heavyweights of their own side. So they're going to sit down with each other, and they have things to tell each other. Yeah. Great. I think both are going to hold each other accountable. But this but- goes down to your – basically your entire point in this podcast is, yeah, come sit down, discuss ideas. The best ideas will always win, right? You say that all the time. Yeah. Not talking. We learned that during, you know um, – communism and uh the uh, what, what's the terminology they use for that the cold, cold war, war yeah. not talking does nothing for you yeah. talking yeah. you know i would love for you to talk to my super liberal friends and you guys find common ground yeah like he is convinced that he's down. right you want to kill him anyway not, but there's no murdering going on here said murder slingshot to the sun i get it but that's what it comes down to is dialogue you're not you don't make peace with your I think we learn friends, more you that make way. peace with your enemies. Yeah, I, I think, agree. I think you unify. Unifying starts off with sitting and down and having a conversation. And what's the you said together. the other day? Uh, you called it D. Doug. Doug, Doug D- yeah. D- diffuse, diffuse, unify, glue. Exactly. Diffuse, unify, glue. I mean, we need more people in America right now that specialize in, in, in those three. Diffuse, Doug. unify, and glue. Anyways, we got a lot of things to talk about. We Doug. got the eviction moratorium, which you got some updates for us here uh, to tell us what happened with their, I think you got uh, why the Fed is lying. Where we we oh, got yeah. some things to talk about there. Interest rates, mortgage rates dropped to a six month low, and refinances shoot higher. Uh, we got uh, uh, Dorsey buying a company. Google postpones return until October. Uh, Olympics. Iranian athlete left his country after being told to lose on purpose. Won silver at Olympics for Mongolia and dedicated the medal to Israel. We have a lot of different stuff that's going on right now. I'm trying to see. Let's let's start off with a light story. Pick any one of them. Pick one story that's light that we can get into. Let's let it. our Which, special guest pick a story. You, Not real estate. <laughs> no, I say I say we pick actually. A story. Let, no, let, let Barry, okay, let's no, start off with the eviction moratorium. Kai, what, what page <laughs> is that right on? To real what, what page is that on? What page is that on, Kai? Tell me, is that uh, page nine? Yeah, go to page nine. Okay, go to page nine. Bottom of page nine is where we're at. With eviction moratorium. So I'm going to, let's take a look at this. This is a story by the Federal Housing Agency. So FHFA extends COVID-19 REO eviction moratorium through September 30th, 2021. On Friday, the FHFA announced that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the enterprises, are extending the moratorium on single-family real estate-owned REOs evictions until September 30th. The REO eviction moratorium applies to uh, properties that have been acquired by an enterprise through foreclosure or deed in lieu of foreclosure transactions. The current moratorium was set to expire on July 31st, 2021. The pandemic continues to have an outsized impact on the ability of Americans to meet their monthly rent or mortgage payments. Today's extension of the eviction moratorium protects particularly vulnerable Americans who otherwise would be at risk of losing a place to live. Said 
acting director Sandra L. Thompson. The REO eviction moratorium is just the latest step FHFA has taken to benefit homeowner renters and mortgage market during the pandemic. So this is happening. Yesterday, Bernie Sanders, AOC, were out there marching, I think, in D.C., talking about the fact that we should extend this. There's arguments on both sides. What are your thoughts on this? So, listen, you want to be humanitarian, and these are properties that are owned by the FHFA. So it's, it's, it's not the same as if you have some of these eviction moratoriums that people are faced with who are landlords. And you could see both sides of it. You certainly want to be humanitarian in the landlord side, but you definitely want to also try and be somewhat sympathetic to the, to the, person, to the person who's being evicted. I mean, b- both sides, you could definitely see it. Because a lot of people who are landlords aren't necessarily large corporations. They're just people that are hardworking, middle-class people. They put their, their, they purchase a home because they'd like to- These are landlords. Landlords, yeah. yeah you know. Now, in this particular case, it's the FHFA. So this is a government agency here. But the moratorium that's currently in effect for renters is something that you want to be humanitarian and sympathetic, but you also need to think about what's that landlord going through that's just a, an individual that's purchasing, that's purchased that home and now is, is faced with somebody living there in their home. That Where are we at right now with that? Where are we at right now with that? Because if this is FHFA, it's we get to be it. The, it's supposed to be the end of August that, that that's been postponed. That, that's going to be— Yeah, but I think that you know, given this Delta variant has now yeah. become more prevalent, there's a good chance that that gets— So here's the problem I have with that. The problem I have with it is the fact that states were given $45 billion— Okay, to help tenants and landlords, $45 billion to help tenants and landlords, okay? You know, according to New York Times story that came out yesterday, what percentage of that $45 billion has been given to tenants and landlords? Do you know what percentage of $45 billion? Less than 25 7%. <laughs> so here's my chance. And by the way, this is New York Times. We're not talking oh. New York Post. Right, no, it's New York Times yeah. writing this. So oh. this isn't New York Post, which some may say it's a conservative paper. So if $45 billion has been given to states to give to tenants and landlords, and that money hasn't gone to them, and you want to extend, you can't tell me to extend it if you're holding, hanging on to the money mm-hmm. that you're supposed to help me out to. If you give me the money, I'll sit there and say, okay, fine. But if you're hanging on to the money and only giving 7% of the $45 billion, which is only $3 uh, billion, what do you want me to do with this? What's their justification What's for their holding just- on to 93% well, of the money? Because they can't. On? What are you going to tell them? You're going to write a negative review on Yelp? <laughs> you're going to go out there and Yelp I and say- I know some people that would. Good luck with the government. Yeah. Nobody, go to a government place and see you're going to write a negative review on some, something and see what they mm-hmm. tell you. Mm-hmm. That money's not coming to you. So in a situation like this, at what point do you say, listen, you guys got to figure something out. I can't keep extending this. Uh, I think the unemployment, if you remember the unemployment during Obama, it kept extending, you know, six months, and then it went nine months, and then it went 12 months, and then it kept going, extending, weeks. extending. Yeah, it was a long time that it kept going. It was nearly, you know, 24 months is where it got to. I think 99 weeks was the number, right? And the moment you stopped unemployment benefits, guess what happened to people? The moment you stopped, they, they go went back, back to work. work. They went back you know, to there's work. There's something yeah. interesting about yeah. that. I know it's one of the stories you want to cover, but this is a really interesting thing. Right now, there's 9.2 million job openings, and people are pointing to that, and the Fed's pointing to that. This kind of leads us into the Fed as well. But the Fed's saying, you know, we're not seeing maximum employment. Well, if you're paying people $18 an hour to stay home, guess what? They're going to stay home. Mm-hmm. But there's an interesting phenomenon that takes place. So half the states, roughly, have now said we're going to end this additional benefit. And what they've seen is something that's fascinating. The number of job creations goes up, but so does the unemployment rate. So people are scratching their heads and they point to the unemployment rate and said, oh, it's not really a benefit. Well, what happens is, is when you don't look for a job for four weeks, you are now a discouraged worker. So you literally do not get counted as unemployed. Yeah. 
as soon as you come off that and you start looking for a job, mm -hmm. you start off as unemployed. But so your unemployment numbers worsen initially. But you at the same time have some of those people who find jobs. So if you have 10 people go back, five found a job, now you have five people that are counted as unemployed. It actually makes the unemployment numbers look worse while jobs are being created look better. But it depends on what side you're on and what you want to point to. You always look, you know, you always find what you're looking for. So if you point to job creation, so things are good. Yeah. But eventually, as these people then come back to finding a job and getting a job, the unemployment numbers should come down. So on Labor Day, we're supposed to see an end to this additional benefit. So I'd imagine you'll probably see the unemployment rate in September and maybe in October get worse while jobs are created. But then it should start to catch up, and you should. You start see, to it see it going past September? I, I, you know, the Delta variant is something that people are very concerned about. You know, everybody's talking about now masks indoors and this and that. And I think Facebook today said they're requiring all employees, whether you're vaccinated or not, to have a mask. I don't really quite understand <laughs> that. Um, but it, it's something that individuals are, are going to be faced with now going back to work or childcare based on this. And it might, it might kick the can down the road. It might prolong it. You saw Lindsey Graham today. Um, did you see Lindsey Graham's yeah. tweet today? Lindsey Graham, who said, I took the vaccine, uh, I went and got it, and I still got COVID. So he's got COVID right now, Lindsey Graham. So yeah, you're hearing did, a lot of did stories. Did you hear Part B to that, though? What's Part B to the he story? He said, had I not got vaccinated, it would have been, been much worse. Situation than where he is. No, yeah. listen, here's a part of what you just said. I sent uh, Kai uh, an article this morning from The Economist. Kai, if you want to pull it up, uh, from The Economist showing percentages of, uh, uh, what do you call it, people who are taking the jab. And this is how the economist, not, yeah, there you go, the, the econ, econ, not economist, the, the economist. There we go. Okay, good. Click on that. Okay, so here's a story that came out from the economist today. Uh, it says, uh, it says uh, a fourth wave of COVID-19 infections washing across America thanks to Delta variant. Yes, vaccinations have stalled at around 155 million or 60% mm -hmm. of American adult population. Why? Using polling from YouGov and demographic profiles of 24,000 Americans, our data journals have built a statistical model to estimate how likely each respondent is to say they have received or will get their jab. It reveals that the single greatest pr predictor of whether an American has been vaccinated or is whether they have voted for Joe Biden or Donald Trump last November. Mr. Biden's supporters are 18% more likelier to get the jab than those who voted for Trump. That's what you're looking at. Blue, mm -hmm. vaccine hesitant. The Democrats, believe it or not, there's still a percentage of Democrats that don't want to get the vaccine. Uh, vaccine hesitant independents are the biggest one there that are uh, percentage-wise. Republicans are the biggest. Not sure. Democrats are still, by the way, I would have thought not sure Democrats would have been a lot smaller. Look how big Democrats is. Three times. Independence gets a little smaller. Uh, quite frankly, Republicans, not sure, decreases a little bit. But Democrats, not sure, triples right there. Do you see that, uh, Adam, how that looks like the 3X? And then mm -hmm. vaccinated uh, Democrats so what does are that winning tell us? I, I think that, that has uh, less to do with the politics and it has more to do with the pro proclivity towards individualism. You have people on this side that tend to be more group-oriented, follow the leader. You have this side who tend to be more you know, civilly disobedient, individualistic. I, I think that this has less to do with the political proclivities and it has more to do with what your natural... I hear you, but what, I also think it's both. Yeah, what I about, what about people that don't believe anything that, that Fauci says based upon his track record? I, how can you at this point? Yeah, exactly. By the way, a good story came out of from USA Today. Pull up the USA Today story. Let's just go into that because the USA Today story, I mean, USA Today, would you say that's a... Left, center, center left. right, where would you put it? I would say U.S. Center left. They call themselves fair and ballot, so that's pretty far left in America yeah. today. Okay, so let's just I say— I don't think they're far left at all, actually. No, I think you, they're you, center, center left. Center left. They're, yes. they're elitist liberal, city liberals. 
Kai, uh, that's the story. I think it's on the last page. Okay. The COVID culture war, if you pull up that article, it's called the COVID culture war. At what point should a person's, should person's freedom uh, yield to the common good? USA Today story. After more than 18 months of pandemic, with one of every 545 Americans killed, that's less than uh, uh, 2% killed, two-tenths of, two of a percent killed by COVID-19, a substantial chunk of the population continues to assert their own individual liberties over the common good. This great divide spilling into workplaces, school supermarkets, and uh, voting booths has split the nation at a historic juncture when partisan functi- uh, factional, uh, factionalism and social media are already achieving similar ends. It is a phenomenon that perplexes sociologists, legal scholars, public health experts, and philosophers, causing them to wonder at what point should individual rights yield to the public interest. If coronavirus kills one in 100, would that be enough to change minds? What if 110? No matter where one stands, it puts a new spin on the famous line delivered at America's founding by Patrick Henry. Give me liberty or give me death. So at what point, by the way, one in 545. If you remember at first when COVID came out, they said the R-naught score is 2%, which means 2%, 2 to 5%. If you remember, the original number was mm-hmm. closer to 5%. Then they brought it down to 2.5% and 2% and 1%. That what? That get the R-naught die is, of COVID or what? No, R-naught yeah. is, is how many people would, would contract it that you come into contact with. Who, who wrote with? that? Who wrote that? USA Today. Okay. You want to know who, the individual who wrote that it? author is, all right, shame on you. The, to frame it in that manner Kai, is, can you is pull complete up the article? and total Tell me bullshit. why. Tell me why, though. Th- this idea that people haven't already done everything possible to keep their neighbors safe, that they didn't shut down their businesses, that they didn't shut down their schools, that they didn't stay inside their house, that they didn't completely and totally sacrifice their lifestyle and livelihood for a year and a half for the benefit of the common good. And now this, this asshole is out here trying to be like, well, what will it take for people to give up their civil rights? But yeah. what would it take? Yeah. What do you mean? Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a secondary uh, yeah, question. At yeah. what point can I, was, I say no? I was saying I've said, I said yes. We already gave up I, our I, civil I rights. I said yes to, to shutting down the business. Yeah. I said mm-hmm. yes to leaving my home. I said yes to staying inside. At what point am I allowed to say okay, no? So you, let's use this article as an example. You answer these questions. Right now, if the coronavirus kills one in a hundred, do you get the vaccine? One in a hundred? Yeah. If it's killing one in a hundred, okay. everybody is on DEFCOM. If it kills okay. one in 100, everybody stays inside. We're in hazmat So do hazmat you get the vaccine suits. then? At one in 100 people confirmed, yeah. I am in a hazmat suit. Okay, so you I, get I the vaccine. I don't touch anything. I don't trust the vaccine. So you get the vaccine. I don't you trust don't. the what vaccine. What about one in 10? Do you get the vaccine? It doesn't, dude, you're missing the point. It could be one in two. I don't trust that the vaccine so is the answer. So no matter what. I'm in a I'm hazmat just trying to suit. understand something. Okay. No, so so, I, so I, you'd wait, rather wait, wait, I want to know why you don't get the vaccine. You, you, you have no idea what this vaccine does and doesn't do. You're blindly trusting. Nobody does. But wait, wait, nobody does. Nobody has any idea what this vaccine does. Why do you say that? Why do you not trust the vaccine? It's not even, dude, we're six months, seven months into it. Most R&D on these things take five to seven years. You have no clue. Anybody who says they have a clue about the long-term ramifications of this is completely and totally full of shit. And where'd you go to medical school, just to be clear? Where did you go to medical I school? I didn't. I'm not saying. I'm so just saying. So, well, no, no, no. If, if, yeah. if you're going to try to do an appeal to authority, where, where did you go to a medical I didn't, school? I haven't got the vaccine yet. But if I'm so, tell- so I'm saying. But I'm so telling you. about where did I go to medical school? one in a hundred. What kind of bullshit is that? Where'd you go to medical school? I didn't go to medical so then school. So why are you talking I'm not trying to be an authority, bro. I'm not asking anybody. You're trying to be the authority. I'm not telling you to stick something in your body. 
body that you don't want. I agree with you on that. So but what, I'm saying, so what, where are you getting off trying I'm, to tell me where I come I'm to medical asking school? You, here's my question. If one in a hundred or one but, in ten, you're going to say you're going to go get a hazmat suit. One in ten people. What, what is it right now? What is it right now? Gerard, one in two hundred million. One out of five forty-five. But let me let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question though. Let's let's go there because here's what I believe. Here's what I believe, and I'm just being very. Uh, 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 blunt with you guys. I don't look, look. By the way, just so you know, who this Dennis Wagner guy is, and then I'll tell you what I believe about this. Click on Dennis Wagner. So just so you know who he is, the guy who wrote it. His profile is going to be on the left. Uh, I'm a vintage bald investigator reporter, USA Today, within 45 years of journalism under my belt. Mostly at Arizona Public, it's a vocation that allowed me to fly to U.S. Mexico border for a Pulitzer winning project on the wall and to break the nationwide scandal of veterans' health care. Along the way, I also to track terrorists who on 9 11 attacks, covered a Apache sunrise <laughs> ceremony, confronted mafia hitmen, <laughs> Sammy DeBoe, Gravano, and flew combat support mission over Iraq. In an era of fake news, I strive for integrity and hope the real information we gather. Uh, I have a wife, dog, grandchildren, lifelong love affair with wilderness, all of the development humility. Great. So that's him, right? Okay. Here's the point. You want to know who he was, now you know who he is. Yeah. But this is my concern. Let, let me tell you what so this my is, concern is. So who, who is this guy? He's a, he's a guy that's no, been he's doing this for a while. He's the guy that wrote this article? Yeah. This oh. is, this is, so based on that, is he still shame on him? No, no. I'm not being sarcastic. Adam, I'm let, me, let me make he, my point. Let me make yeah. my point. I, I, I have a sincere question for you. Yeah. I have a sincere question for you. So right now, mm-hmm. we are spending trillions of dollars in our U.S. military mm-hmm. trying to fight wars the way it was fought 30 years ago. Is that a fair assessment? It yeah. is fair We're not assessment. necessarily spending the military money, you know, U.S. tax dollar trying to fight wars of 10 years from now. Mm. We're trying to fight wars of 30 years ago. Okay? Yeah, you that's highlighted kind of, this on the basis yeah. that we so, have. So that's one challenge that we have. Yeah. Okay, so let's go. You always have to figure out a way to estimate what your enemy is doing and outmaneuver them 5, 10, 15 moves, right? Okay, we know what China's spending money on right now. What are they spending money on? They're spending money on figuring out ways on how to do cyber attacks, which is cyber warfare is bio warfare. Bio those two right there. So just mm-hmm. go to those two. Mm-hmm. Cyber warfare, bio warfare. Article came out yesterday saying the fact that this was a man-made uh, 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 virus built in Wuhan, and this is not a article from uh, uh, Breitbart. This is not a Daily Caller. This is not a. This is an article that was written that's saying, hey, this most likely. Came out of this Wuhan lab. Great. By the way, here's the part to be thinking about. This virus was deadly, but it wasn't that deadly. Okay? I'm not trying to be sarcastic here. It was not as deadly as... Now, yeah. let's see. And, that, and that's with all due respect he, to anybody that did catch yeah. it and everything oh, like that. Absolutely. Obviously. Please. We have people that of died in the, in the company. We have to pay policies. But they I'm were del- talking about 5%. They were talking about 5%. Yeah. So I'm talking... How many people have we lost to cigarettes in the world last year? 8 million people. We lost in the world last year to cigarettes. Yeah. Eight million. Okay? That, that's a real number. Eight million out of eight billion. Okay? So, but let's go back to this question I got for you. Here's a question for you. May I say one other thing? Let me, oh, let me wrap okay. this up, and yeah. I want to make the point I want to hear from you. So, say advance. Let's just say we go five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now. What, what is advancement? Advancement means what? You get better. You make better weapons. What if these guys over there create a weapon that is a, you know, cyber, not cyber warfare, bio warfare, and it's not 5%, it's not 0.2%. What if it is deadlier? What if it is mm-hmm. 20%? What if it is 30%? Sure. What if it is 50%? Sure. My answer is not even about vaccine. I don't even go to vaccine. Dude, you don't even have time for vaccine at that point. Like, this is not, hey, let me go fight off the vaccine. This is about how do you play defense against it. So what is it? You have tanks? Tanks are not going to do shit. No. 
Do you think you have enough time? Even when they were saying, Fauci was saying, it's going to take 18 months to get this vaccine to be ready. And Trump was saying what? We're going to get it ready by how many months? Nine months. You remember how he kept saying that? And Fauci would say 18 months? Trump would say nine months. You remember that, right? Mm-hmm. You're not shaking your head saying yes. Man, Trump didn't get any credit for the good stuff that he did but on that. My, my question isn't, but say nine months. Mm-hmm. What the hell is nine months? So, so, so the point is, my, my mind goes to the U.S. military needs to toughen up their biowarfare defense mechanism, and we are weak today. If somebody truly was an ugly, dirty human being, that wanted to truly destroy the world, they could do it today because the math has been shown that this one drug, this one virus called uh, COVID, if I can make it even more infectious, what could happen? So the conversation is not going to be this guy writing about the fact that one in 545, would you take the vaccine if it's one in 100 or one in 10 or one in two? Mm -hmm. That's not the conversation. My conversation is bigger than that. What are we doing as military generals? What are we doing as the leaders that are sitting behind closed doors talking? Are we having those conversations? That's the real question I would be thinking about. Not this uh, article to write to get people to debate over the fact of why are you not taking a vaccine, why are you not taking a vaccine, and why you should take the vaccine because the percentage would be higher. So persuading you to take it. Because in reality, how much research have we gotten? I don't know much research. Mm-hmm. Even, even Fauci said it's going to take a long time to research, to test, to do this, to do that, to do this. Even the experts said that to us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a challenge here where people are being questioned on well, both can't sides. you walk and chew gum at the same time. I'm not being sarcastic. Yes, I agree with you. We should obviously prepare for something five, ten years down the road. But we can also address what's going on right now. And I got to be honest with you. I have not got vaccinated. Hear me out, bro. I had COVID. Okay? I'm doing my own research. My own research. I agree. Individual liberties. You have the right to do what you want with your body. I'm hearing way better arguments from the vaccinated side versus the unvaccinated side. Pertaining to what? Just everything. I'm doing a lot of research. This is my own research. Whatever I'm looking at, wherever I'm hearing, from what I'm hearing on the vaccinated side, like even Lindsey Graham came out and said today, had I not gotten vaccinated, I would have gotten way sicker. How does he know that? Look, bro. How how does he know that? And Lindsey Graham's not my guy. Is he a a fortune teller? That's not my point. How could he possibly know I would have gotten sicker? The point that I'm hearing, again, not vaccinated. So I'm not arguing with you, bro. I'm bringing up a point. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing from the unvaccinated, are you vaccinated, by the way? I'm vaccinated. Okay, you're I, vaccinated. It's a personal choice. Cool. I believe in it. Cool. Personal choice, I hear though. you, and I agree. And I agree if I also agree with you if you're like, look, but what I'm hearing from the unvaccinated side is I can do what I want. Cool. Respect individual liberties. And there's not enough evidence out there. What I'm hearing on the vaccinated Where side is- Where are you is, at? Where are you at? As far as what? As far as taking a shot. Where I'm, I'm getting closer to, to thinking about it. I'm getting okay. closer. Point is, yeah. I was at the center. I'm like, I had COVID, bro. It was a three out of ten. Yeah. You know, um, it was bad, but not that bad. You know, I've had the flu before. Now I'm thinking, I don't know, should I take it? Should I not take it? And I'm listening to arguments on yeah. the right saying, don't do it, don't do it. I'm making an ours on the left. You better do it. You better do it. And I'm being an independent thinker, much like you are, and I'm hearing better arguments to get vaccinated. Uh- Versus not get vaccinated. You know That's what, though, Adam? Point. I don't like what just, we just classified as right and left on this. It's really individuals. A lot of people, and look. Well, it is right uh, and left. We just I don't, saw the I stats. don't think but, it is, but, though. But, but, I don't think it is, to be honest. What are you talking? We just saw but the stats. Hold on a second. You, you know, there's a great, there's a great book called. Trump took it in April. You're talking about Trump, the president, took the vaccine in April. There's a great. He's going to die of COVID because he's overweight and he had COVID. What do you mean? Well, no, no. That's your argument, though. There's a great book called How to Lie with Statistics. You don't think he was going to take the vaccine if he was sick? No, no. The point I'm trying to make to you is I agree with him. This is not a right and a left thing when it comes down to the vaccine. 
Oh, I mean, I, I, look at the stats. You the, just show that, the stats. That's exactly, pad. that's called identity politics. That I'm showing right. you. Of course I'm showing it because yeah. it's a conversation. We just had a good conversation about yeah, it. I this agree. is good. The audience is listening and they can make a decision for themselves. But I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people who are on the right taking mm-hmm. it. This is not a left-right middle thing. I'm assuming they are older or not healthier. I don't see a lot of young, healthy people on the right getting the vaccine. Are, young, just are young, healthy people getting sick? No, you're right. But who so the fuck why would they to take medication? Who well, wants well, to get the, sick? I mean, Do you well, take hold insulin? Hold on a second. You're the argument for that, the argument for that is that, that whether or not they could get deathly ill or not, is will they transmit it to others? And it seems that the evidence is that you're less likely to transmit it if you're vaccinated. So it's not just a me thing. It's like, who are my family? Who are the people that I'm around? Mm-hmm. What are the lifestyle activities that I want to do? So you just you can't just That's think just solely to the young. Okay, right. I mean, the you can't just think well, you're young. My grandma's that. like, I don't want to see you because you're not vaccinated. I'm There's worried. a lot of stories about yeah. that. Like, this is my grandma. Sure. I'm like, yeah. I can't see my grandma. Absolutely. They're like, no, you haven't. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. My grandma's 90 years old. Yeah. I can't see my grandma now? But look, Adam, here's the thing. So I think everybody needs to do their own research on it. I research well, Everyone so is, Barry. But, but, well, what do you mean? No, you're wrong. I don't think everybody is. I think people just listen to the headlines and they say, I'm not going to do it because there's crap in this vaccine that's going to make real sense. So, look, there's evidence that there are long hauler issues if you mm-hmm. contract this thing. And then there are potential issues that if you get the vaccine, too. We're not saying that either one is perfect. But mm-hmm. for me, I went really deep and researched messenger RNA. I did not want any other vaccination except for the Moderna or the Pfizer because I believe in the in the science of I've messenger RNA. I've heard similar RNA. things that Johnson Listen, right. Johnson is horrible. Pe- people are people are going to think I'm I'm full of it, but this is the God's honest truth. My mother's best friend's son died, 33 years old. He was an RN. He got the vaccine. Three days later, died. Now. Could be anything. Could it, they, it could can, look? Correlation is not causality. I get it. Or causality is not uh, correlation. Fine, whatever. Uh, maybe it was an anomaly. Guy had a heart attack at 33. Died. RN in good shape. Yeah. Okay. So it's horrible. I'm not saying. All right. That that one is connected to the other. It just seems oddly mm-hmm. strange with the timing. Seems oddly strange that Hank Aaron died days after. It's oddly strange. And I don't trust, and this is the God's honest truth, I do not, they are too invested in a narrative right now. I do not trust the numbers that we're getting. Okay, mm-hmm. so it makes it hard when we talk about do the research and trust the science, bro. I cannot because I can't ascertain what is real and what is not from what we're getting from our government. Well, well to add to there, what you're saying a little bit. There's too much gray area to, right to now. To add to what you're saying, a lot of the deaths that you're seeing when they report like five, 1 in 545 who contracted die a lot of the deaths because of the financial arrangements within hospitals yes. were marked as COVID deaths. Mm-hmm. Even though now I know people within hospitals that have told me this, they're dying marking COVID of deaths, COVID and dying with COVID. That's correct. Two completely, Two completely different, different things. things. That's right. Perhaps yeah. they had it, they died from something else, but they were all COVID deaths. Yeah. And well, even someone they didn't even know they put COVID deaths because the hospitals. It's a financial. Well, let me tell a, a quick benefit. story to that because I Eight, deal thirty-nine thousand if they get on a ventilator, eighteen eighteen thousand if they come. I, in. If you I've have the flu. And it, you get diagnosed with COVID, $18,000 per patient, no questions asked. I agree, so there's yeah. a, a financial obligation. Two quick stories, and then we'll move on. I, similar to your friend, the RN, respect, that's horrible. I also have a friend, nightlife guy, DJ in Miami, pretty healthy guy, 35, died of COVID. Just got COVID, died, straight yeah. up. 35, not yeah. fat, not disgusting, not overweight. 35, died. Secondly, to your point. I deal in uh, life settlements, which is basically based on life expectancy. We get life expectancy reports on people. Mrs. Smith, she's 82 years old. She's got diabetes. She's got this. We got a life expectancy report. She was expected to live between 70 and 90 months. That's how it works. They give you a range. 70 to 90 months. Okay. 
We had multiple reports, two reports. She's going to live, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, whatever it is. Got COVID, died in two weeks. So did she die of COVID? Did she die with COVID? We had a life expectancy report that showed she'd live another six, seven years. Got COVID, died in two weeks. Yeah. She was on There's a motorcycle, a case example. but yeah. I mean. No, she wasn't on a motorcycle, bro. She died. She was in bed. She died in a freaking hospital. But that's the thing about this. So that's not funny. There's no there's no universal answer. There are some things that are going on on the margins on each side. That's why this is such a hotly debated issue. But go back to the That's why I think what's really important. Individual or what's the common two things? It's really important. You have to be empathetic. Two things that we can all agree on. And I and that was a bad joke. And I do apologize to her and her family. The the two things we should agree on. And it goes back to what you said before. Okay, about how. In this moment, what can we learn and what can we do? Because if, if we are going to be so beholden to somebody else not being crazy and killing all of us, that's a horrible way to live our life. One of the things, I'm a supply side guy. I'm a free market guy. And this has made me reevaluate my thinking on, on economic freedom because there's just no way, no matter how much cheaper it is, that we should be outsourcing 90%. Nine zero percent of our pharmaceuticals outside this country. China, I think, seventy eight percent, and the other twelve percent comes from. Hundred percent agree with there's you. There's no that. way, and agree there's no for sure. They can have one bad batch of heart medication and kill fifty million people like that. All right, so I was wrong in my mm. ideology as far as that's concerned. It doesn't matter that it's cheaper. It doesn't matter that it's more efficient. That Why is, is that, a supply side guy? That, that's a clear and present danger to the United States of America. That is a clear and present danger to our our well being as a nation. Mm-hmm. We need to bring our pharmaceuticals specifically here. We have to be making, manufacturing, and distributing life saving medication within our shores. That's number one. Number two. All right, and people don't want to hear this, and it, it's amazing to me that we've gone eighteen months and nobody has said anything about this. All right, but who's going to hold China accountable? They owe everybody a lot of money, and they owe people restitution for the lives that they've ruined. And nobody in our government has the balls to even bring it up. Yeah, so, so listen, the, that, that is a complete different conversation. Yeah. Here, we just talk a bunch of different things here. You said your points, you said your points. Look, if a person, you know, selective hearing works for all of us. Uh, if you're somebody that's, say, a, uh, a person that doesn't want to take it because of your civil liberties, you're like, listen, don't impose it on me. You're going to probably tell stories of people that took the vaccine and something happened to them because your mind automatically is turned on and attracted to those stories. It's just how we're why. We have to understand this part. That this bias. is just, yeah, confirmation bias. We're all guilty of it. So for you, Adam's automatically only going to tell the stories of, yeah, but Lindsey Graham, did you know what he said afterwards? If I didn't have it, okay. So then that's where he goes because he's trying to find information to validate why he ought to take the vaccine. More power to him. It's his choice. You want to do it? I I, I clearly said I'm I'm listening to both sides. But the stories then you said is you told the story of a friend that was 35 years old, healthy, DJ, Miami, boom. He died because of COVID, right? So your brain is going to those stories. It's going to stories to help you. But I also told the story of that I got COVID and I didn't get that sick. It's, it's counter. Right. So yeah. what I'm saying, I'm not saying is, I'm only saying guys, both of you guys just did it. Stop. We're all doing it. I'm not pointing fingers. We're all doing this. Ain't nobody free of this. Okay. If Fox is doing it, CNN's, MSNBC's doing it. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing for us as human beings to do mm-hmm. is to see if we're being full of shit or we're trying to like convince ourselves of a decision just because we want to make sure validate that we're making the right decision. We're afraid of making the wrong decision. Sometimes we ourselves are more protective of our own egos of being right or wrong, so we don't want to listen. Bingo. That's a challenge. Some, we all, by the way, all of us are guilty of it. Mm-hmm. I'm a pretty I'm a big ego guy. I understand what it is to have a big ego, and you struggle with this the entire time. Today, the audience wins. They get to make a decision for themselves. As far as China goes, again, that's where I went to. 
my my direction where I went to is who the enemy is. My direction I always go to is the long-term solution, permanent fix. A vaccine to me is a Band-Aid. It ain't no permanent fix. It's purely a Band-Aid. We're going to be able to put a Band-Aid on this 6, 12, 18 months. And now we're being told every year you got to take it because that's how you make it go away. New variants. I'm more interested in permanent solutions. I understand temporary stuff. Go ahead, say it, doctors, expert, present, debate, hash it out, sit down, do all that stuff, great. If there's, if there's one area, Adam, that concerns me the most is the following. Let me tell you what concerns me the most. Here's what concerns me the most. If you call Adam uh, Gerard out on an event that took place that you want to hash it on, you say, I want to debate him live and talk to him about it. If he says no continuously and he privately, publicly calls you out but doesn't want to sit down with you, you know what it tells me? He's hiding something. Mm-hmm. If he says, let's sit down and talk about it, you are avoiding the conversation with him and you're talking shit about him behind his back, you're hiding something, okay? If one side of doctors or media is not allowing the opposing argument to be heard, what are you afraid of? There it is. That's my fear. Why don't you, why don't you have a debate on no, valutainment? Ba- I offered Paul off at $20,000. He turned it down. There's got to be someone that'll no, come on here. No, I offered and, and, every. He's, he's I offered about, everybody twenty thousand dollars. They all turned it down. Just, just so that I understand. Nobody would sit down with RFK. Nobody would sit down with doctors from That's the other crazy. side. You're, you're talking Dr. about Dr. Mike tech, said right? three times. Yes, 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 absolutely. I'm willing to sit down and talk to anybody about it. I said you're willing to sit down and talk to RFK about it. Yes, no. You know what YouTube did? Number one, right now, if you go on YouTube, his page is already on the cover page of YouTube. Why? He gets all these suggested subscribers because mm. he's saying what they want him to say. And we're not. We don't get the suggested views that we used to get. Well, it's not that we're we're saying what they don't want us to say. We're having open dialogue. I I simply want to know why an opposing argument is constantly hidden. That's all I'm asking about. Look, do you know why, when I was living in Iran, why the concept of communism got so much attention? Do you know why? Hmm, Because the Shah kept hiding it. Because the Shah kept arresting all the todays, the the communists. So the more he kept hiding it, guess what the youngins kept wanting to do? find out what's, more what's this all about yeah. what are they afraid of why mm-hmm. do people of power so afraid of communism you know how you beat communism here's how you beat communism shine light on it shine light on it. let's talk yeah. about it bring it up let's talk about sure. it so i bring slavoj zizek let's debate right. i bring richard wolf let's debate i bring people trash my arguments destroy mm-hmm. my arguments let's go through it and the audience says i disagree with you pat i disagree so when you are hiding an argument to me, you already showed your card. Actively suppressing. That's my yeah. concern. So I'm not. My concern isn't going out there and doing research vaccine. My dad got the vaccine. My household, most people in my household are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're sitting there saying, "Oh, we're anti this, anti that." Not at all. I just simply ask one question: Why is the opposing argument hidden? I don't know. Tell me why. You don't have an answer for it. Why not? Because they're ludicrous and they have no clue what the hell they're talking about. You just lost the argument. Yeah. There's got to be more argument than that. Anyways, can we move on from this and yeah. go into real estate? Okay. Yo, you want to talk about the Fed? I want to go to page seven, which is the Fed. Go to page seven, Adam. Uh, yes, on page seven. So we got a few different things here. Uh, first story I'll go into is rent on U.S. Bur- suburban homes is surging with inventory tight. This is a Bloomberg story. Invitation Homes, Inc., the largest single-family land- landlord in the U.S., boosted rents by 8%. Nationwide, in the second quarter, as company hike prices amid strong demand for suburban properties, the company, which owns more than 80,000 homes, boosts rent by 5.8% on renewals 
and 14% on leases signed by new tenants. So if your rent is two grand a month, it's 2280 now is what it is. According to a statement Wednesday, the company also posted core condos from operations of 37 cents per share, beating the average analyst expectation of 35 cents for the key metric. Barry. Well, this is a big story because when you talk about the real estate market right now, it's easy for people to bash housing, bash the real estate market because they're talking about uh, the, the most recent numbers is 16.6% appreciation on homes. Unless I agree, that's too hot. You know, We'd love to see it come back down. But you also have to think about what's the alternative. It's certainly not going to want to pitch a tent. So if you're going to go rent, your rent on new transaction is going to have gone up 14% as well. So it's almost keeping pace. But the big difference is, is that with a purchase, if you get a fixed rate mortgage, which is the vast, vast, vast majority, maybe you see your taxes go up slightly, but that's a pretty small portion of your overall payment if your taxes went up 2%. That's a small portion in general, probably less than 1% of your payment. But on rents, they're going up almost 6% a year, and you get hit with that every year. So over time, the purchase definitely has a lot of benefit to it, but people are really bashing the housing market. And I understand that. I mean, we were on last time, we talked about a lot of these things. Look, you have to be careful. You have to make your own decisions, and different markets are different. But in general, if you go by the rules of supply and demand, where's the new supply going to come from to override the demand for housing to cause prices to drop precipitously like so many people are saying, right? I mean, and, and, Where's the supply going to come from? Well, that's Building the thing. more houses well, or what? Well, well, here's the thing. People say, okay, well, what if a lot of people put their homes on the market and, and sell them, but where are they going to live? You know, uh, they're probably, they're going to keep revenue neutral. And, and we, we talked about this last time, but you got a lot of influx of first-time home buyers that are going to come in. So builders are going to put them up, but they just, it's hard for them. It's hard to deliver because it chips with appliances to get certificates of occupancy. It's hard for builders because of land and the costs that are involved. It's really tough to build a home for less than $350,000, and that's really where the demand's needed. So it's it's not an easy solution here. But in the midst of it, it seems like home prices are going to be pretty decently supported. I don't see this big crash. And people love to compare it to like the stock market. The thing of it is for me is I could sell a stock and be fine. I don't have to do anything. But if I sell my home, there comes a question is where am I going to live? Replace it. I, you know, where, right. where, where am right. I going to stay? Yeah, that's a good question. Now, if, if it's an investment property, that's one thing. But sure. the percentage of investors is not like it was in 2007, 2008, where you had, you know, one person buying several homes. Mm-hmm. Remember the movie The Big Short? Of course. Yeah, stripper, the stripper right? that yeah, had yeah, three yeah, yeah, mortgages. Yeah. And a condo, right? So, um, so, How's she so, doing, by the way? Uh, well, you know, I, I don't she know. She partied with you. Yeah. <laughs> I lived with her for two years. So it was great. It was great. I had free rest. So. <laughs> O'Brien's. See you there Friday night. I got a real quick story about O'Brien. Sorry, Barry. Real quick story. So we're at O'Brien's over here in Boca Raton, man, and then we'll get back to the, to the housing. But we're, we're Adam's buying out the whole bar. Adam spent about $1,000 on white cars. A thousand dollars on white. Claw. I don't believe. If it. I know, I would have. I would have taken a down. If, if you were a girl bought. and you were drinking, you got to drink that night, dude. <laughs> we were celebrating karaoke. <laughs> so there's this absolute smoke show. Smoke show. Adam buys. I don't know. A thousand dollars worth of white claws. Finally gets to talking to her, and then goes comes over to me, and I was like, "Bro, did you get her number?" He goes, "Dude, I already had her number in my phone. Completely forgot that he had Good this girl. girl's number." So yeah, uh, the, the biggest point of the story is he found his. <laughs> Favorite bar of all time. Basically. Oh, I love the place. He's anyway, been Barry, for yeah, yeah, let me sorry. let me go back to asking a question here. Let me. Get, I got a question for you about this. Here. Thanks so, for the random story. <laughs> so, so the fourteen percent. So the fourteen percent. So they're raising rents on new tenants fourteen percent, existing five point eight percent. The numbers on inflation came out last month was what five point four percent, and that's only core a rates, month. Core rates four point five. That's year over year. 
Year over year. Yeah. Okay, so 4.5. That's 5. on CPI, PCE, which the Fed likes better, but it's a stupid measure. So give me the number. Which one is more of a number to look at when it comes to CPI inflation? is more accurate. The 4. PCE, 5%. the Fed looks at. Yeah, 4.5%. Okay. Cool. Let's say 4.5%. So if this is 5.8% on existing, it's 14% on, on new. new. Is mm. this, they have analysts. Analysts are not going to give numbers like this for the hell of it. Are the analysts assuming that inflation is going to go to percentages like 14 to match it? Or are they just saying, nope, there's a demand. We can charge this number. It's They're the going to pay for it. It's the latter. Okay. Inflation probably comes down a little bit, but this is just because there's just too much demand. It's, it's, You're talking about Florida or nationally? We're talking nationally. These are national numbers. But really, if you go to most parts of the country, it's a similar story. There's just too much damn demand, and we don't have enough supply on the market. Well, let me, let me ask you this, because this is something that in Jersey City and Brooklyn, where I came from, like I never understood. And then so it you're was, Brooklyn? Like me. Nice, man. Okay. What part? Bensonhurst. Nice, man. What's 2nd Avenue P? Gravesend. Wait so, a minute. Did you go to PS177? No. Uh, no, no, no. I, I went was, to the school right there on Dayhill and Avenue P. What's first? No. I was Saint, on West 7th. St. Simon and Jude in Jersey. Okay, I got you. Hey, the, bro, uh, remember when we were chilling in Granada Hills? <laughs> that was hey, great times, <laughs> <sick, bro. laughs> Where'd so, you go to high school again? Glendale. Glendale High? 1.8 GPA? <laughs> me too, bro. So the uh, this is what I don't understand. And, and it was explained Thanks. to all me as, as REITs were the problem because there are entire blocks. <laughs> there are entire blocks that stay empty for years, and they, the rents never come down. So everybody heard a year ago, two years ago, New York's dead. Go move to New York. Everybody's leaving. The rents have not gone down. So they they package these things, and it, it they are it's okay for them to lose money because mm. apparently this is apparently the scam that they do. There's like three parts of the scam. All right, or well, it's completely legal, but it's a scam. The first thing that they do, you're you're only allowed a three percent. Uh, raise in in rent year over year. So what they'll do is they'll make the rent twenty five hundred, but give you three months free. So you're you're paying you know nineteen hundred, and then the rent goes up mm. after a year to to you know twenty six. Then they they take the first two floors of these luxury high rises and they section eight them. So people are are getting it on government dime. They're getting they're spending eight hundred dollars for these twenty five hundred dollar uh, apartments. Then it's prepaid for by the government, apparently, Section 8. And then the rest of it, they package together like Bazudo and all these other real estate firms uh, that, that run these. They package it together and then they sell it on the back end as, as a REIT. So, And that REIT apparently is X amount of units times X amount of, of average rent per month, whether they rent it or not. Yeah, but this is invitation homes. These are single-family homes that they own and that they're renting out. These are real numbers. Okay. You know, this is not a scam. Invitation homes is the largest landlord in the United States, and these are all single-family homes, so they're very representative of what's really going on in the world. If if So why why is rent staying stagnant? It's not. If, it's going up 14% year well, over yeah, year. But, and but then five, while there's nobody buying homes. People are buying homes. There's a, there's a ton of people buying homes. In fact, when you look at the numbers, you have to be careful. Like the Mortgage Bankers Association last week, they come out with this story that got so many headlines, and it said purchase applications year over year are down 18%. First of all, 18% from a feverish pace. Secondarily, what they don't do, and this is why you got to be careful with statistics, and you have to go deep. Most people don't. When you take a look at the numbers, mortgage applications means you took out a mortgage to buy a home. Well, what about people that paid cash? A year ago, 16% of individuals paid cash. The recent numbers, it's almost 24%. So there is a drop, but it's not 18%. It's 9%. But inventory is 20% less. Prices are 16% higher. There's less available. So yes, there are going to be less transactions happening. But these are off of very, very high numbers. You have to differentiate real estate in two parts. One is real estate, the driver of GDP. 
and how many transactions are generated. And then there's real estate. If I buy a home, will I make money on it or lose money on it? Mm. If I make money or lose money on it right now, it's difficult to buy a home. It's a lousy time to buy a home. But if you do it, the benefits are really, really great. And then you have to think about why the alternatives. Why is that, though? Why, why, is, why, is it, you why just the say it's lousy to buy a home right now? It's awful to buy a home right now because you have to likely bid over asking price. Mm -hmm. You have a very difficult time because of lack of inventory. Sellers are going to dictate terms and oftentimes. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like, look, it also sucks to diet. It also sucks mm -hmm. to work out sometimes. Right? But you do it because the benefits are good. And when you think about this, this is not about perfect. It's about choice. Where am I going to live? Am I going to live in a home that I own or am I going to live in a home? What is the opposing renting? argument to what you just said? So play the devil's advocate. Play, argue your own argument and your own world. You're in your world. How do you argue what you just said? It's very difficult to argue against it if you understand the numbers because where am I, what, if I believe that the housing so market is going to drop. So what is the drop, common argument? What are the common I think arguments? Home, the, the argument is home prices are going to drop because they went up. Okay, that's, so that's and one. So, what, so I'll, what stay else safe renting, that? I'll stay safe renting, yeah. and this way I'll be in a position where if home prices drop, I've benefited by that, right? So renting is it's not the same as on the sidelines because you're still paying to put a roof over your head, whereas that could be giving you some of that towards principal, and then the question is appreciation, right? So it's, it's hard to argue against it once you start to see what the facts are. If you, I mean, if you believe there's a housing crash and a housing bubble, mm -hmm. then you certainly shouldn't purchase a home. I don't believe that. I think that home prices are going to be driven higher. So uh, you're saying the Fed is lying to us. The Fed is lying to us. And it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting because the number that almost everybody throws out there is how much is the Fed buying in mortgage-backed securities to yeah. keep rates low. And they say $40 billion a month. That's a month. That's complete bullshit. That's so uh, unlike the government to lie to us, though. Are you sure? Yeah, I know, right? Mm -hmm. So um, here's the, the truth of it is they're buying more than $100 billion a month, which is an incredible number. Now, last year, they said they were going to buy, starting March, $40 billion in, in mortgage-backed securities. So if you take, starting in March, that'll be 10 months, right? So that'd be $400 billion. You know how much they bought? Hmm. Two trillion. They bought fifty percent of the marketplace. Now this year they say they're buying forty billion. That's all you see. Forty billion, forty billion. They changed the language in the Fed statement very lightly to say, oh, at least. But it's over a hundred billion that they're buying this year. For the first six months, they bought six hundred eighty-two billion dollars. If it would have been the real, if they would have been telling us forty billion and done that, that's only two hundred and forty billion. So the thing that they're not talking about is the reinvestment. In other words, they're holding. $4 trillion of mortgage-backed securities as somebody refinances or sells their home, instead of taking that money in, they're taking the same money and buying back. And they say, we're not going to count that. I was like, isn't that a ridiculous argument? That's like saying, don't count my food consumption in GDP because I'm just replacing it. If my phone breaks and I buy a new one, don't count that in GDP. Don't count that as a sale because I'm just replacing it. That's a BS argument. They're buying an enormous, they're buying 40% of the mortgage market right now, 40% of the mortgage market. So all this talk about tapering and is that going to destroy housing, is that, if they taper, it's not going to be on reinvestment. They're not going to touch that. So if they if they say their new purchases of 40, if they cut it to 30 or 25, that's mm -hmm. tiny. It's very, very small. It's not going to impact. Well, Barry, let me ask you, break this down. This is like the macroeconomics yeah. of real estate, and that's great. How does this affect the person that's maybe the, considering buying a house, the bottom maybe line, considering the, renting? The bottom line is Talk to the people. rates are going to fluctuate, certainly, mm -hmm. but they're not going to go way up there. In fact, I believe that rates will probably head lower because the stimulus that we've seen, it wears off. We know this factually. Stimulus, it gives you a big boost. It causes a little inflation. It causes mm -hmm. economic activity. But then what's left behind is the debt. And that debt has to be serviced and paid. And that slows down the economy. We've seen it everywhere in the world, everywhere through time. And when you see the debt weigh on the economy, 
it drives interest rates not, lower. Not I think a, that the ten-year goes to. We live in a world of perpetual stimulus, though, man. I mean, that's the. Well, that's the thing. There's already a little bit of pushback on the additional stimulus that's going out there. But you're right. That's the other argument: is do we continue to see that stimulus, and does that eventually is, cause inflation? Is, are they yeah. considering so, another stimulus? Because all I hear is, oh yeah, always, baby. They'll always figure out another way to take your money and put it in their pocket. But the big thing on the agenda is the infrastructure bill right now. I'm not hearing a lot about a stimulus bill. What do you think that is? What do you think that is? But when you look at the it's not checks into people's pockets. Human infrastructure. When you look okay. at the when you look at the infrastructure bill, there's a lot of aspects of it on the second phase that they want to do, which aren't aren't necessarily what are they up towards, to seven trillion infrastructure. It is eight, one trillion. They're, they're, eight trillion. Well, the balance sheet for the Fed is eight trillion dollars, yeah, which nuts. is an insane amount of money. But the levels of stimulus that we've seen are incredible. In 2020, you had 2.8 trillion. Um, in, in March and April, and then you had December was 900 billion, and then another 1.9 trillion in March is another 2.8 trillion. Mm-hmm. It's insane the amount Six of money. Trillion. What do you do with the lenders, man? Like, like I'm I'm in the market right now, and they're they want no matter what 20% down, and they I, they're they're telling me they I don't got want lapse, 20% I got down. a lapse no, no, in you, income, you, and I'm like, yeah, I have no, a lapse in income. A, a lot it's of people, COVID. like everybody has a lapse. No, in by income. the way, a lot of people think that they want 20% down. That's that uh, that's a common thing that people believe, but it's not true. You can purchase a home with five percent, with three percent, three and a half percent down. There's plenty of programs available. Is that, that do FHA that. loan? What is you, that? FHA will do that, but also VA just loan? conventional loans. You can oh, deal yeah. with three percent or five percent down. So what should Gerard do? You should, in my humble opinion, Gerard, you want to try and be careful on the purchase. I know it's not easy, but I would definitely purchase a home you don't need 20% down. And I think that you'll do well with that over time. I really do. It depends. Look, if you're going to be buying a home and then selling it a year from now, that's very risky. But if you're saying, like most people, I'm going to buy this home, I'm going to live there for eight or nine years, you'll probably do really, really well. So residents, forget investing. That's that's basically. Uh, no, I wouldn't say investing what in real estate. What do you mean forget investing? Invest, what do you mean? So from what, if I can kind of... Uh, Distill what you're saying is like okay, if if you're looking for a residential purchase, now is as good a time as you'll get. But if you're looking for an investment purchase, you should probably kick the can. No, I think that an investment purchase is is also a good idea as well. I mean, again, you have to be careful about that, but there's a very good probability that the value over time will continue to do pretty well. I'm not as a realtor, that. would you ever tell me there's a bad time to buy a house? <laughs> yeah, no. I, listen, uh, when when we were the right uh, question, well, that's yeah. the right okay, question. Okay, so so you know you could pull up my clips on CNBC. I used to get hate mail because I said to people, "Do not buy a home in 2007 or don't." You know, this is a risky time. I didn't like. In fact, I sold my company because I did not believe the market just didn't make sense. But that was a time where we had demand was waning because 33 years before that. You had abortions were legalized, less first-time homebuyers coming in, and builders in 2006 built more homes than they ever built. They built 2 million homes. So it's the opposite of today. You had too much demand, too much supply, rather, not enough demand. It was troublesome. Plus, one person was buying more than one home on average, whereas today they're Big, The biggest thing themselves. you said on the last time, just so everybody knows here, you know, Barry, for some who don't know, you're three-time Zillow, uh, what what is, what is uh, it's called? Golden uh, ball, what is it? Not the golden ball. That's <laughs> a different, that's crystal, a Vegas, that's vivid. Crystal, this is different. Crystal, this is uh, sell real estate. Crystal, crystal ball. ball. Crystal golden ball. ball. There you that's go. Was, that's a wrong bad, convention. Barry. That's the wrong My convention, bad. buddy. That's Vegas convention, vivid. That's golden ball. This is crystal ball predicting what's going to happen to real estate. <laughs> the ball but, door. But one of the things he said last time, the difference between 07, 08, and today is inventory. Mm-hmm. We had 3.8, I think the 3. number is 3.7 million, million with 116 million households. That's insane to think about versus yeah. today. It's only, what do we have right now? A little, a little million, more than million, a million. million 40,000? 1.2 right now. Yeah, okay. So supply and demand. Gerard's that's a big a, supply. But guy. hold on, now you've got almost 130 million. So you got you know, almost 14 million more households 
with almost 3 million less homes for yeah. them to buy. So statistically, it's different data that mm -hmm. says if I'm a realtor and I'm in that business, that's the argument I'll be telling every client I'm selling a house to. This is, if you think this is a bubble, 3.7 million inventory in 2007, 2008 versus today's a million 40 to million two, depending on what month you're on. So, but let's talk about something that really matters. This is a, a heartfelt story here that's going to affect a lot of people out there. And uh, I want people to brace for impact. Bacon may disappear in California <laughs> as pig rules take effect. Okay. So this is a little bit emotional for some people this out there. Sucks. So, yeah, this sucks. It definitely does suck. This is an Associated Press story. At the beginning of next year, California will begin enforcing an animal welfare proposition approved overwhelmingly by voters in 2018 that requires more space for breeding pigs, egg-laying chickens, and veal calves. National veal and egg producers are optimistic they can meet the new standards, but only 4% of hawk operations now comply with the new rules. Unless the courts intervene or the state temporarily allows non-compliant meat to be sold in the state, California will lose almost all of its pork supply much of which comes from Iowa with little time left to build new facilities. Inseminate sows and uh, process uh, the offspring by January. It's hard to see that pork industry can adequately supply California, which consumes roughly 15% of all pork produced in the country. 15% of all pork produced in California. California's restaurants and groceries use 255 million pounds of pork per month, but its farms only produce 45 million pounds a month. If half the pork supply was suddenly lost in California, <laughs> bacon prices could jump 60%, meaning a $6 package could rise to nearly 10 bucks. Adam, I'm going to go to you because I know this is a little bit more this closer is. to you. So what do you think <laughs> about this? As a Jew who loves bacon, this is, this is, this is disastrous that's why stuff. I was, that's why I was... Thank God I live in the free state of Florida and don't have to deal with this California BS. But something to all my uh, bacon eaters out there, check out turkey bacon. I'm about to do a commercial for turkey bacon. I eat turkey bacon. It's healthier. It's not as good. Turkeys don't have butts. Where's that bacon come from? I don't know. But I know you like big butts and <laughs> you cannot love, lie, I Gerard. Big butts but I don't know. This by, is by the way, on a serious note, yeah. if you run a restaurant, yep. if you're in California, if you run a grocery, and you're accustomed to needing about 255 million pounds of pork a month, mm -hmm. and now it's only producing 45 million pounds? I don't think this changes behavior. I think just people pay it, and all you're doing is making it more expensive. So you think it's going to go up sixty percent? Oh, I think I it goes. I think it just goes up. I think it just goes. I think people pay it at some point. You're because, like, oh, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting for, the bacon. But think about it for a full pack of bacon. So what is it going to be incrementally if you want it on your sandwich? Okay, it's, extra uh, buck or two. I mean, I mean what's going to cost you an extra dollar? So I'm not. I'm, I'm going to pay an extra dollar. Is what, what's going to happen? Get that money back. I don't know. <laughs> look, man. I look. California is is just turning into like a, a foreign universe to me, man. Southern California needs to break off, do its own thing. I believe in a volunteer society anyway. If they want to go have like this, you know, vegan utopia communist uh, thing that they go have it, just take it. But take you can't be serious. Break off. Go what do you mean for by it. that? Have what does that it. mean? What does that mean, Gerard? Have it. Go for it, man. So they're not a state anymore. Go for it. They're not. They, they don't get all of California. They don't get all of it. But they look, man. You wanna you wanna take. Uh, are you talking about Chaz in uh, Seattle? What are you talking it. about? Go for it. Guys, go no. show the rest of us that you're smarter. Do it. Do it. Make make your citizens happy. <laughs> show the rest go, of us. Go show smarter. us. <laughs> show us. Go go put together the, the, the San Andreas commune. Are you a bacon guy? 
bacon, 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 bacon. Come on, bacon. DVD, are you a bacon guy? I knew, I knew the nation of Islam had taken over a lot. I will eat it, but I'm not really. You're not a bacon guy. I mean, I'll eat it. Dylan loves bacon, so I will eat it just because Dylan likes bacon. So we'll sit there and have bacon together. Bacon, egg, and cheese on a Sunday morning after a night out. Come on, man. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. So that's that's the bacon story. That that is a very heartwarming story. Brace for impact. Yeah, I wanted to share that because I know you were interested in that. By the way, Osama bin Laden's family abandoned their Bel Air estate list for twenty eight million dollars. Have you guys seen this house? Yeah, you know. Pull up this house. By the way, if you would have thought, matter of fact, before you pull it up, I got a question for you. If you would have thought the name Osama bin Laden and an estate in Bel Air, what Mm -hmm. color would you guess this house wouldn't be? White. White? What color would you say? There's no way in the world Osama bin Laden bought a Bel Air estate and the color is pink. Pull up the house. (laughs) This is the house. Type in Osama bin Laden house Bel Air. Okay. Oh my gosh! Well, you interviewed his niece. Did I did. Noor, matter of fact, we were texting yesterday. Yes, she's working. She's Kai, uh, Kai. In the future, you could just have these tabs ready and go right to him. I'm just saying. Right there. Click on that. <laughs> Click on that. He normally does, but this one. It's John Cougar. <laughs> By the way, shout out to Kai's new haircut. Has Kai. anyone Check seen this it? Out. That's he's he's too good looking. Can That's you control F today. and make it bigger, Kai? It's important for people to see what this house looks like. There it is, pink. I was right. That's a twenty-eight million dollar house. Twenty-eight million dollar house. John Cougar. If There's got to be think, a whole backyard. If you're thinking about it, it's uh, Adam. Not a bad idea for you. If uh, you it looks think like, like the bomb. I'm good, I'm good in California. <laughs> yeah. But. You know, as I started reading this story, I'm like, hold yeah. on, what? There's Bin Ladens that live in America. Yeah. This seems really By the way, let me, let me read this whole yeah, story so ahead. people get the idea. Osama Bin Laden's uh, brother, Ibrahim Bin Laden, has listed his longtime Bel Air mansion for a whopping $28 million. Ibrahim, who's the older half-brother of the late terrorist, has owned the property for nearly four decades. This is a New York Post story since 1983. Ibrahim purchased the Mediterranean Villa-style mansion for $1.653 million in 1983. What would be roughly $5.5 million after counting for 38 years of inflation. But according to, uh, to the listing, he hasn't occupied the home since 9-11 attacks. Like Os- Osama, Ibrahim was one of 56 children born to the Saudi Arabian construction tycoon Mohammed bin uh, Awad bin Laden. 56? Yes, yeah, he who had, had 22, 22 wives. wives. Yeah. Mohammed served as a patriarch of multi-billionaire bin Laden clan, a family with long-standing businesses ties to Al Saud royals. Adam, go ahead. You were saying something. Yeah, well, look, uh, as I started reading this story, the beginning of it, I was like, hold on, what the hell are you talking about? Osama bin Laden has family that lives here in Bel Air. What the hell? Like, what is going on here? No shit that he hasn't occupied the home since September 11th. And then you don't just go with the headlines. You dig a little deeper. Like you said, you can't. And I said, all right, he's got 56 siblings 56 children. from 22 concubines. And uh, all right, that that. that makes it a little easier to I mean and I and I circle back to the interview you did with Nora bin Laden who I think is a big Trump lady it's just uh, you know how they say the apple doesn't fall from the tree sometimes it does I interviewed a guy yesterday I can't wait for this interview to go live his name is uh, uh, what's his name Amin Amin and he was a former Al-Qaeda member who became an MI6 spy Wow. I mean it's a fascinating story brilliant guy genius of a guy was recruited by Osama bin Laden. He was there at one of the meetings when Osama bin Laden sold them on the vision of what they were going to be doing. He was part of the camp. He worked with them. He was a one. He was a person. He, he says Osama bin Laden came up and he says, "Listen, you obviously don't have what it takes to be one of those visionary leaders that people follow. You just don't have that." 
I said, this is what Osama bin Laden told him. him. I said, why wow. would he say that? He says, because I had glasses on and I was small and I was weak. And he wanted people that were strong. I said, okay. I said, so what did he say you could do? He says, well, he knew I was very well read. He says, I think you can make bombs for us. <laughs> so he said they taught me how to make bombs. That's the story. And he became an MI6 spy for UK, telling on everything he learned mm-hmm. working with those Pretty guys. incredible that they kept the last name. Like, I feel like yeah. if you... If you, somebody in your family does something that atrocious, I think you just got to go ahead. Well, you know, Pablo Escobar's name. son uh, and, and his wife changed their last name, and they went and lived in Argentina. Pablo Escobar's son's name is Pablo Escobar, but he changed his name to Sebastian Marroquin. You're going to have to switch that one up. You're yeah. going to have to switch mm-hmm. that one up. Yeah, I was yeah, supposed to interview him in, in running UK. Around anymore. <laughs> yeah. no. Or Hitler's. Not a lot of Stalins out there, no. yeah. It's probably not a not a name you want to. Yeah, that kind of does make sense. The more I think about it, you know, you Gerard, about Sasha phenomenal point you just made right there. <laughs> so my dad tells me, I said, yeah. Dad, so why don't you guys name me Sasha? I said, My mom wanted to name me Sasha. Well, how did that idea come about? And she said, You ever seen the movie? Uh, he Dr. said, Doctor Zhivago. And in Doctor Zhivago, the communist was Sasha. Sasha. My dad said, Never in a million years will I name my son after a communist. <laughs> He named me Patrick. Although most people in the military told me, you know your real name's not Patrick. You look more like a Mohammed than a Patrick. No. <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm telling you, it's Patrick. They said, you're lying to us. Did you get a lot of hate in the, in the military? Of course I did. But Being what, a Middle Eastern But you have to military? learn to troll back and play with them instead yeah. of being sensitive about it. It's, That's it's, it's, a great it's a point game. you made right there. So, okay, let's continue. Let's continue. Let's continue. Okay, next story. Wikipedia. Should you trust them? How many of us go and look at Wikipedia? You know, let me see the Wikipedia for whatever it may be. So the founder of Wikipedia said, nobody should trust Wikipedia, says founder Larry Sanger. Says site has been taken over by left-wing volunteers who writes off sources that don't fit their agenda as fake news. Wikipedia can no longer be trusted as a source of unbiased information inside the online encyclopedia. Left-leaning volunteers can cut out in any news that doesn't fit their agenda, according to uh, the founder, Larry Singer, co-founder of Wikipedia in 2001, alongside with Jimmy Wells, said the crowdsourcing project has betrayed its original mission by reflecting the views of the establishment. He said he agreed with the assessment that the team of Democratic-leaning voters, volunteers, remove content that isn't to their liking, including information about scandals uh, linked to uh, uh, Joe Biden and his son uh, Hunter. When asked if Wikipedia can be trusted, he replied, you can trust it to give a reliably establishment point of view on pretty much everything. Okay, that's that's his comment. Now, how many guys actually use Wikipedia? I actually use. Uh, Wikipedia. I do. I do. Wikipedia. Yeah, I use. I, sure, I, yeah. I use Wikipedia. I think it's a uh, uh, you know decent place to go to you know see what they have to say. I don't know yeah. about how much of the stuff they take off, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of people. But I don't Wikipedia. use it for any political research. Not research. I just no, no. I look, just I look at it for who was so-and-so. No, it's kind of yeah. like lies what of omission, so-and-so? or they're running like PR for certain people and certain things, and it is constantly updated. You can throw Snopes in the same thing in that. You can throw the Facebook fact checkers in there. It's all, you know, I, I get uh, I, I get a, a strike against me on Facebook like uh, every, every full moon. So like two weeks, I get a strike against me on Facebook. And then I go in, and I see which fact checkers says that I, I broke some sort of rule and almost 100% of the time it's somebody that doesn't exist in real life they they have they, they come from Beijing mostly and that you can follow them you you click in you got you got to have no time on your hands like I do and you go in and you click <laughs> and you say okay who who did this they show you who it yeah. is and then you look at the articles that they've written and everything like that and it's 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 like it's straight out of the CCP. Straight out of it. It's straight propaganda. So, Well, I have a question on this Wikipedia because this is the first thing that came to mind. Left-leaning volunteers. That's what the article says, right? So they're not paying people. 
Oh, no, all no. Volunteers. All the writers are volunteers. All volunteers. 100%. So if you're concerned that it's too left-leaning, get some right-leaning volunteers. But there's a system for it. But, but you know, there's a system for Is it. Is there? Tell me. Yeah, there's a system for who has enough scoring to be able to write yeah. and mm. you know typically people who are unemployed have more time to write than those who <laughs> so are unemployed. Is, is, is this going to make you distrust going on wikipedia truth. like i'm still going to like go on let wikipedia. me ask you a question do you have time to work for wikipedia and write no, stuff for them of course them? not do you have time to go up there and help them i write? got all the time gerard how you doing man you gonna go help them write stuff hey, up man I'm, I'm i'm here to fight the culture <laughs> war after i get off of work with so. you at 11 i'll go go, go write <laughs> Typically, whoever has the most time can write a lot. But you of know, stuff it is scary, there. though. It yeah. is scary to think about a resource that a lot of us use and depend on could be slanted Dude, like this, that, this or, or religion, where, it's, where it's where it's revisionist, where they will remove or edit mm -hmm. things. Just but to, isn't to that history slant. in a nutshell? Yes. Oh, so whoever wins the war, this yeah. is the new writes the history books. This is the like, new religion, Adam. I'm telling you, they're just like it's not new a, though. Is my point? No, 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 no this the, this like history. leftist religion that mm -hmm. this is taking over the Judeo-Christian perspective that we all grew up in. But it, but you're their, right. It's not it's not new, but it is much more. Um, able to be reached by everyone so quickly you know mm -hmm. it can have much more of a dramatic and immediate impact so it's much more powerful than it used to be because you know, everybody can on their phone or whatever in seconds go there you but know? this it's circles back to what pat said before it's one thing to put that there and that's fine you have your perspective no problem the problem becomes when you start silencing or suppressing or banning any counter perspective. Mm -hmm. That's the issue. That's the hard line in the sand. Yeah. That's this whole, like we, we talked about oftentimes, well, it's both sides, it's both sides. Yes, it is to a degree, except in application, right? Because right now, if you have a counter perspective to the, the establishment, they will silence you. They will digitally throw you in a gulag. They will take your page down. They will they will suppress your views. They they will shadow ban you. They will do everything they possibly can to limit your ability to expose mm -hmm. your perspective to the masses while amplifying the perspective that that they want to promote. But this goes back to Pat's point that if he ever ran a school, the academy Vault Academy, you'd have two teachers. I'd never have a left leaning teacher, yeah. teacher and a right leaning. I would teacher do it like like you two would be teachers for me. Mm -hmm. You guys would be teaching one class. Oh wow! Because what would no? Because think Ready about it. First of all, now? you like each other. Yeah. You guys go party together, mm -hmm. and you get numbers of girls you already numbers <laughs> have. That's what you guys do, and you spend a thousand dollars at bars. By the way, why don't you announce what bar you're going to be this week so people can show up? Because apparently you're buying for everybody. I'll be at Bodega, Bodega, Bodega Southeast. Southeast. You know that. That. What night? Shout what out night? to Bodega. Give the night. <laughs> Eight nights a week. Me and the Beatles. Hey, Saturday night. A week. Saturday night. You'll I'm be at actually going to be uh, sleeping in Saturday because some of us are going to Vegas Who's this going weekend. To Vegas? Well, aren't you going to Vegas? Oh, shoot, we're going to Vegas. <laughs> I totally forgot. I totally this guy says, forgot. This guy's throwing the biggest I party of his life. Who, what? I What's going on around here? No, no, here? no. We're going to Vegas. That's right. Nikki yeah. Jam. We got Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah. We got Mario Lopez will be hosting. Mike oh, Tyson. Wow. Yeah. Frederick De Silva. All next week. What's your MGM. favorite Nikki Jam song? It's the main one. What's the one? It's X. It's the it's a uh, it's, yeah. it's main one. That's it. Yeah, that one. It's only that. That's the main song. PBD gets you going when you listen to I it. Okay, saw, I just saw Sebastian's new show. It's really good. Sebastian's a flipping stud. You know yeah. why? Because the guy is he comes across as a guy that's an introvert, quiet to himself. He kind of wants to be left alone. But the guy's got strong opinions, and he's an absolute genius of a guy. His brain, you can see, goes a million miles yeah. an hour. Can I give a shout-out to a friend? Is that okay? Sure. Okay. If you guys want, if you like Sebastian Maniscalco, I got yeah. a buddy of mine uh, that's uh, in the New York comedy scene back home. 
and his name is Jason Scoop, and he does the single greatest Sebastian Maniscalco impression of all time. Wow. Of all time. Check out Jason, Jason Scoop. Scoop. Yeah, S-C-O-O-P. If you, all right. If you We're check gonna him put out him on, on TikTok or, or uh, Instagram, you'll love his Trump, and you'll love his uh, – he's, okay. he's an we impressionist. Will, we While we're giving shout-outs, can I give a quick shout-out? No, out? no more. Limit no, no, I'm doing it. I'm doing <laughs> it. I'm doing it. I don't care. Your grandma, go ahead. Grandma, I love you. I'm giving a shout-out to someone that's very beloved to all of us. It's her birthday, Miss Nancy Tran. Hey! Okay, she's here in the office. Happy birthday, That's Nancy. That's our girl. By the way, yeah. it was George Palaio's birthday, mm. it was Chris Phelps' birthday, and it's Rodolfo Vargas's birthday. Oh, so just happy today? This last week, oh, they wow. all have birthdays around the same and time. And turned 50. Well, we can't give a shout-out okay, to him because it's, it's a little... Shout-out to does, Nancy. He wants Nancy. no one to know he turned 50, <laughs> yeah. and you just told Rat. people he turned 50. Dink, Greg, dink. Greg just turned 41, the, the truth is. Okay, let's continue, let's continue, let's continue. All right. So, Trump, uh, story comes out, man. Apparently, this guy's running. Trump is moving forward with a 2024 presidential election, uh, run in a real way in his meeting with the cabinet members at his New Jersey golf club. Former chief of staff says, uh, page eight. I know, Adam, you're fully surprised that he's running. This is a business insider story. Former President Donald Trump met with the cabinet members at Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, New Jersey, to discuss his political future, according to his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Meadows, a loyal ally to the former president, further teased the potential Trump run. The meeting revolved around what comes, ne- what does come next, Meadows says. I'm not authorized to speak on behalf of the president, but I can tell you this, Meadows said. We wouldn't be meeting tonight if we weren't making plans to move forward in a real way. With President Trump at the head of the ticket, the former president has confirmed that another presidential run is a real possibility. In April, he said that he is 100% thinking about running again. I don't know if he said he's 100% thinking about running again. I think Sean Hannity asked, have you already made up your mind what you want to do? He says, I've already made up my mind what I'm going to do. But he didn't say what that meant. So having said that, are you still in the same place? He's running oh, I've said it since 100%. I, I believe Nothing's changing running. your mind. Listen, I have a rule of thumb that I've lived by for the past year. Whatever yeah. Tom Zenner says... Whatever prediction, <laughs> go the opposite route. He predicted Trump's not running. He's running. Giannis. He predicted Giannis, Giannis. would never win. He predicted By 100%. The way, that Valuetainment Sports is actually doing good. I, yeah, I actually enjoy Tom yeah. on, on Valuetainment Sports. Predictions, but Tom is actually, he actually, the last podcast I did with Tom on the Sports Channel, yeah, he asked yeah. me to do it, and I appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. He actually said, no, 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 that Milwaukee never won. They, they didn't win. I, Giannis, I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, no, no, you know, I didn't really win. Like, what, what, what world do we live in in here? <laughs> so, anyway, I do 100% think that Trump you think is gonna running. Run? I think Very? he. I do. I think, I think he's planning to run. He's going to run. Oh, man. Now, here's the question He's going to run. Does he get primaried? Do or they or do they roll Ain't up nobody ahead beating of him do in they the Republican Party? But do he's they holding the party hold hostage. Hold Nobody's now. Wait a minute. I think that, I think there's a couple of good there's a couple of good possibilities whether they run or not. People are going to want to position themselves as the anti. Give me someone sure. who actually in the Republican Party can beat Trump. How about Zero. The, how about the Santos? Zero. How about the Santos? He'll be his VP. So you think? By know. the way, Pence the other day I'm outside playing with the kids. A yacht comes by. Okay. And Huge flag. Biden flag. Could <laughs> 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 you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> it was a flag that said Trump DeSantis 2024. Yeah. It said I actually Trump heard DeSantis something that they can't run together. Tell me, you're the you know the Why political. Why can't they run together? Because they are both domiciled in Florida, and apparently, look this up, fact check it. You can't run if you're both from the same state. Trump I don't know would, if that's Trump right. would just clean, uh, change his residency to uh, New York or. Sure, or yeah. you know, whatever. I'm just saying that you that's can't, the you can't argument. Be on the same ticket from the same. That's state. what I understand. Yeah, maybe that that's might be, what that I've actually heard. might be true. But okay. Be, um, 
So yeah, Trump's I mean, going to go back to New York and deal with the taxes that's in a, New York? That's a clerical issue, man. I mean, that's... Yeah, I, I, I mean, still think he's running, whether it's DeSantis... Well, or... let me tell you, did you guys hear the story about... I hope he doesn't. I really DeSantis hope he doesn't. ain't beating Trump. He's Kai, not trying to go against Trump. pull up the article Trump. I just sent you from The Hill. Did you guys hear the story about Meghan McCain and uh, what she said about... DeSantis and Kamala, did you hear those comments? No. no did you sure. hear about it? So, did you hear about it or no? no. Megan McCain yesterday was asked about what would happen because they're already thinking. PBD's uh, a big view fan, by the way, for people that don't know. Uh, uh, big, diehard. So, <laughs> Megan uh, McCain said she was asked about the idea of what would happen if Kamala Harris was to replace Biden, which that's kind of how the conversation was going. Mm-hmm. Kai, did you get the story I just Coo. sent you? Kamala Harris. If Kamala Harris were to replace Biden, could DeSantis beat Kamala Harris in a debate? So she is lobbying for who? DeSantis, right? If you can mute that guy, if you can. Megan McCain is a DeSantis mute, fan. Mute, mute. Okay, go lower, go lower, go lower, go lower. So uh, Harris's approval rating uh, linked to immigration stands. The co-host reacts to several polls that found Vice President Kamala Harris has the lowest approval rating of any president, vice president, since the 70s. Mm-hmm. Lowest ever. <sighs> I know you're fully surprised by it, but it's the lowest. No, I'm not. Why are you not surprised by it? I just don't think she's that great. She got smoked in the primary by her she own changed, people, man. She made like, history by being the first female. But she did by, make history. Yeah, but, but yeah. That, that is true. You're not impressed by her as a VP? I'm not that impressed, no. Why do Democrats even bother with primaries at this point? Like, they, they just rig them for who they want anyway. Just tell us who it is. Like, why even Megan McCain primary? on Monday. It's all rigged. Megan, right, McCain, all rigged. Megan McCain on Monday predicted that Florida Governor DeSantis would put Vice President Kamala Harris in the ground if they were to face off against each other in a presidential election. I think she stumbled when she was running for president. She dropped out before Iowa. She was a very early dropout. She wasn't resonating with voters way before President Biden was elected. McCain said, acknowledging that she could not be unbiased due to being a Republican. Okay, so there you have it. I don't Tulsi know. Tulsi Gabbard her, absolutely she slaughtered says, her. McCain criticized Harris's approach to immigration crisis that she's been tasked with not handling, pointing out that she laughed off questions about visiting the border. Her laugh has become a way for people to take hits at her because it's uncomfortable to watch. It's uncomfortable to answer. And she, I always thought she needed more media training than she had. The problem with Democrats going into 2024 is if President Biden chooses not to run for re-election, she's just not going to be a strong enough candidate to run for president. Ron DeSantis would uh, uh, put her in the ground. I mean, it would be an election for Republicans. Republicans would love nothing more than to run against mm-hmm. Vice President Kamal. Do you agree with her? How, how much longer can they go to the you're a racist or a sexist if you don't vote for me war chest? We've got what 12, 16 years of this. Do you think they they can make a twenty year run on? Uh, I mean, they're still. They, if if mid years becomes as catastrophic as a lot of people think is going to be mid midterms, not mid year. If mid terms becomes as catastrophic as a lot of people predict it's going to be, it's going to be very hard if she is the front runner to win. But here's the other question for you: Complete change it up, Megan uh, Megan McCain. Can you see her ever doing anything with politics? No, you no. can't. I can because she's got name recognition, but I don't think she would. Would she do anything other than Liz Cheney? Just walk in under the 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 establishment banner and and you I know. Kind of like the way she handles herself on on when she's. I mean, you're she, on a show. By the way, the best training you get. She plays away games. Yeah. Oh, are Every you day. kidding me? Every day sitting across those people at the table getting destroyed, and yeah. you're the one that you know they're going to come after you. You're gonna get stronger. It's just that's what's gonna happen. Your argument's gonna get stronger. Yes, you may understand their argument a little bit more, but your argument's gonna get stronger. So I think Megan's got, you know, she has a potential of doing something long term. I don't know if she wants to live that life or yeah. not. I just think she's got. Uh, she I could do it if you want. I just she wonder if, if media training is a way to say 
don't tell people what you really believe. Do what you really believe, but don't say it what publicly, which is there. terrible. You what know, a it's, point just, there. it's just a terrible way to think. You know, yeah. do just, not come. Don't do it. Yeah. Do not. That became a I'm going to go. I'm going to go. That Thanks, became Donald a Trump. meme for a lot of people, man. You guys set them up. President of the United States. Do not. Okay. Uh, next oh, story. Gerard what story Michaels. do we want to go to, guys? Pick a story. McDonald's earnings be driven by new yeah. chicken sandwich and promotion with K-pop band Fried BTS. Chicken's if you want to pull it up, Kai, pull up the story there on the, on the screen so people can see it. So McDonald's. Uh, this was a model they did, I think, last year sometime as well that was very successful for them. McDonald's mm -hmm. report on Wednesday that the chain's crispy chicken sandwich helped U.S. same-store sales outpace 2019 levels by double digits. U.S. same-store sales climbed 25.9% a quarter and 14.9% on two-year basis. The company credited strong sales to its new chicken sandwich, which launched in February, and its famous orders promotion with K-Pop's group ETS which includes an order of McNuggets and special sauces. The fast food giant reported fiscal quarter, uh, second quarter net income of $2.222 billion, $2 billion, or $2.95 per share, up uh, from $483 million, or $0.65 cents per share. CEO Chris Kamzinski told analysts that 70% of McDonald's U.S. dining rooms have been reopened. If a COVID-19 resurgence doesn't occur, all of its U.S. footprints should have opened dining rooms by Labor Day. Gerard, thoughts on this story? Yeah, they. they I, I, it goes back to uh, in, in our creative, right? In, in creative, we spend so much try, time trying to be unique and original and come up with a concept that nobody's ever came up with. And at the end of the day, there's only seven stories. And all you can do is tell one of those stories that's been told a million times yeah. your way. So instead, McDonald's, the, the, the Harvard graduates, they were like, you know what's really popular? The Popeye's chicken sandwich. Let's do that. <laughs> That's what they did. You know what I mean? Wasn't the, the war was like Popeyes and Wendy's, and now they're get, jumping into. Yeah, the they were like, "Yeah, we're McDonald's. Let's just do that." They made a Popeyes chicken sandwich. They they made it for like a buck less, and it's 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 all right. I mean, it's pretty good. What I want, and for all the entrepreneurs out there, you get this one for free. Give me like one percent, and let me be the spokesperson of this. All right? Why can't we have like a cauliflower based like crouton? cone like an ice cream cone that you could put the salad inside the cone so we can eat healthy on the go like i've always thought like like seaweed wrap or something like that like you have like the sushi dude you lost me at cauliflower like, <laughs> no but instead of the carbs bro that, it's no carbs so it's like cauliflower. think like an ice cream cone like and the then you put the, the dressing Gary, in there yeah, matter of yeah, fact Gary we're gonna go have it today i'm gonna, oh. I'm gonna i want to have the cauliflower today. tell me that's not the best cauliflower in the world it actually gluten-free cauliflower costs are pretty good i love healthy on the go man i thought you were going somewhere totally different with this story if you want to do something different i thought you were you're talking about Popeye chicken sandwich. I this lost is, you at cauliflower. Yeah, this is <laughs> this know. is um, what an innovative campaign. Take pop culture icons and make yeah. commercials around them with fried chicken. Do you know who BTS is? Do you know who BTS is? The K-pop group. Do you yeah. actually know who they are? Yeah, we looked at the picture, but it's I don't listen. You know, okay, they're yeah. huge. They're the probably biggest band are. in the I world. I fully know that. And who are, did they but... do before that? Travis Scott, yeah. one of the biggest rappers yeah. in the Justin world. Justin Timberlake. But no, they didn't. They, did, they didn't. Oh, just, Justin Timberlake. They did MJ, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then they did Bad Bunny. Yeah. All they're doing is taking the most famous musicians in the world and being like, I like McDonald's. That's where I thought you were going with. No. Like, what a genius I idea. Do, I do wish that there were laws about marketing, though, where you actually had to show, like, the type of people who eat your stuff, not the type of people you want. Like, it, should, it shouldn't be sexy BTS people. Yeah. Like, it should be fat asses like It should me. just be Gerard like, hungover, just, like, four like, in the morning, It's just dripping all over me. As barbecue like, sauce all over I'm, your face. I'm trying to get my, my nuggets out of the side while I'm driving with the left. That should be the commercial. They shouldn't be allowed. Like, go. has there ever been a drunk guy in a beer commercial? It's always, like, people playing playing volleyball, looking sexy and stuff. It should just yeah. be like, you know, Make dudes Ultra. hanging out with their, pan in yeah. their pants, watching their eighth hour of NFL Sunday yeah. football. 
Yeah. No, that's the exact you guys, opposite. You guys Did you guys get that out of your system? That was good. That was a very nice exchange right there with uh, trying to get the job as a McDonald's CMO. They're probably not yeah. going to hire you. I just want you to know that. Maybe they, they, might ta- they might take that. Uh, but the local burger place is looking for a CMO. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about my first job ever was as Burger King? It was in Glendale, California. <laughs> and I, it was my first job. Bro, what I worked at Bally's. Job? What was your first job? My first job. Um, what was your first job, Barry? I worked in a butcher store, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, I worked in a butcher Jersey store. Jersey or? Uh, in in uh, Brooklyn, New York. In Brooklyn, New York, yeah. I learned uh, learned a lot about the meat business. Was, Very cool. What was the name the, of the, the butcher the shop? The slogan was, you can beat our prices, but you can't beat our meat. <laughs> <laughs> my father my father worked in a butcher shop for nine years in Brooklyn. Wow. Yeah. Fred Terrace was a butcher. Shout really? out to Fred Terrace. We're Jersey. like blood brothers yeah, here, crazy. you know? So what was your first job? You can't I was a remember? babysitter. I was like 12, 13 years old. I babysitted Were you 12, the 13 years old babysitting 18-year-old girls? Or like what, <laughs> what was your first job? My first job was as a busboy at Laura's Pancake House. Hmm. Wait a, a minute, Laura's boy. on wow. Old Bridge on Route 9? Yes. Oh, these oh that place Brooklyn was awesome. Guys, they, Dude, they go. that place was freaking great. Yeah, man. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, that that that? Are you my dad? That's just my baby dog. That's just my baby dog. Oh, my gosh. Okay, next story here we got. I'm trying to see unemployment. Okay, go to page nine. Go to page nine. This is a good story here. Page mm-hmm. nine are unemployment benefits. Our uh, unemployment benefits to new welfare. Short-term assistance uh, becoming long-term trap report warrants. Expanded federal unemployment benefits put in place as emergency measuring the, during the COVID-19 pandemic are on course to become another long-term welfare, welfare trap. A government fiscal watchdog group warns in a new report it has started to look more like welfare and uh, it has started to look more like welfare and more like another piece of the welfare package. It's starting to look like a long-term benefits program rather than a short-term temporary supplement it was supposed to be. Ali Fick, a senior uh, research fellow with the Foundation for Government Accountability, said unemployment insurance uh, programs should promote work and reject government dependency. For example, an individual can receive $3,700 a month or more than $44,000 a year by staying home. The report continues, on top of tax credits, food stamps, and state unemployment benefits, an individual can receive an additional $1,300 a month with the $300 weekly unemployment bonuses. Are you kidding me? That's 60K, 60K a year to stay home and not do anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's – um, you, you want to be humanitarian. You want to be sensitive. And there are people that want to go back to work, but they have child care issues, and there's still some COVID issues out there. But there's a lot of people that come back to work if you stop the – you know, a lot of people want to stay home because, listen, let's face it, if you're getting paid to stay home, a lot of people are going to do that. If you're one of those people out there doing this, okay, I totally get it. The government is taking all of our money and putting it in their pockets. Get yours. I get it. But be careful. Don't stay out too long, man. If you stay out too long and you lose your edge, the the, the marketplace is going to pass you by. Just, well, there's just, a few things that are going on already. To your point, you know, Amazon's already coming up with robotics and artificial intelligence because they're not waiting for people to come back. In addition to that, you've got a lot of individuals that, if you've ever watched somebody that stayed out and then come back in, it's tough to catch up because technology changes and evolves so quickly. So to your point about losing your edge, the edge that even if you have an edge individually, you've got a, a lot of catch up work to do because technology is constantly changing. So even six months is a long time to stay out. All three of you hire and I don't. When you look at somebody, they've been out for a year and a half, do you, do you say... No, do you say this is what's the reason why this this is not the person for us? What do you see when there's uh, uh, an 18 month lapse in, in the resume? Does, so, uh, so there's there's four there's four qualities I look for when I hire people. It seems to work. It's attitude, aptitude, initiative, and a sense of urgency. So if you have all four of those, I could teach you the rest. But um, attitude is really really important. Initiative. So if somebody's you know staying home, that definitely doesn't count in the initiative. A sense of urgency. You know, 
that's that's another one that doesn't doesn't really help. Uh, so I think if you have those four qualities, uh, then you'd probably be a really good hire. Does that sense of urgency ring a bell? Oh my gosh, John Cotter, eight uh, keys to leading change. Absolutely, that's uh, number one. That's number one. Absolutely, sense of urgency is very hard to. Can I ask find... a question so, on this so, topic? Well, the, well what, just, what's just to follow with, up. Oh, I mean, ahead. just just real quick. So if somebody was out, they took the full eighteen months. They took the full two years. Yeah, is that a red flag for you on the resume? Like straight up, is it? Absolutely. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. By the way, you know how a lot of people will say things like this. Listen. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, we, we have situations, I run a company with a lot of different agents nationwide, and you know, you'll have a lot of people that will use excuses. And listen, we, all of us may use excuses at certain times of our lives, but some more than others. There isn't anybody that's 100%, hey, I never made an excuse about anything. People sometimes have a tendency of taking the easy way out. Some of the guys that we follow and our leaders are people that typically make the least excuses and you admire them. You say, this guy's freaking going places. I just want to be able to work with this guy. If you buy into the vision. When we do interviews and somebody says, um, you know, there was two years of my resume that you don't see anything. I took those two years off to take care of a, a friend of mine or an aging parent or this. So you sit there and you, 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 what you have to do in that moment, you have to say what? Either they're telling the truth mm -hmm. or they're not telling the truth, right? Now, in your mind, there could be an odds thing. You could say 80% probably this is BS. I don't buy it. 80% is you work for a company for two years. They fired you. It was so bad you don't want to put the boss's name on there because you don't want us to make a reference call. And if we make the reference call, they're going to say, I'd never hire this person. You don't want to hire this person. So that happens because sometimes we'll go online and we're still able to find where they work and we'll make the reference call. And by calling somebody who was their former employer and will ask, do you know what job they went to next? Sometimes I'll say, yeah, you know, he went and left us to go work with XYZ Company because they gave him a bigger raise. Okay, great. Then you call that up. Which office was that? XYZ branch. Great. You call them. Hey, just want to follow up. A good HR person knows how to do this stuff. They'll call the place and they'll say, hey, John, this is uh, Mary giving you a call. We're checking on, you know, Bob, who I think used to work with you guys, and we're doing a reference call. Which Bob? Bob, you know, such and such. Bob? Yes. Uh, you sure you want to hire this person? Well, yeah. They, they came for an interview. We like them, and we're thinking about they're in the top three list. You want me to be honest with you? What do you want me to tell you? Well, of course, we want you to be honest with you. I would never hire this person. Let me tell you what this person did. And then they go, boom, 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 boom. Now, that, that's Got if you it. get lucky because a lot of times they couch it. They want to be very – so you have to read between the lines because they're not always that open and honest. He's right. Want, yeah. but He's right. But if you just – you can ask questions to say, look, if you had to hire them again, would you? Zero to ten. If they say zero, that's all you need to know. If they say, we would consider it, okay, good. That's something I can judge for. But we would we would never hire this person. Usually on, those, so, usually on yeah. those, unless it's somebody who goes out of their way glowing, stay away. Yeah. So now. Because you, you don't want to hire somebody mediocre anyway, do you? Now let me flip yeah, it. Now let me flip it in the last 18 months. In the last 18 months, are there some people that lost their jobs? Yes. So if I get somebody that tells me, listen, i got to tell you, the last 18 months has been very hard. Okay, what have you done? I've had three jobs. But it's been the businesses went out of business, and I work four months here, three months here, six months here. I'm okay with that. I'm like, listen, you're trying. You're yeah. making an effort. All good. But we want somebody like that on the team. Let's make an offer to you. So we, when you do the interview behind closed doors, those conversations are being had. When some, when someone, so, so, totally if, agree if you, with you, Patrick. By, by the way, same thing with you. What you just Think about what you said earlier. Yeah. You said earlier 20% down payment to buy a house, yeah. right? And then you said they said your income isn't to what? 
Well, th- that you had a year year lapse of income. That's yeah. exactly the same way we think about it as well. Yeah. So your year of lapse of income when underwriter worries about giving you the loan to buy the house, it's the same thing an employer wonders why you had a year lapse of no job. Yeah. That says a lot about how you face adversity as well. Yeah. So are you going to say, okay, I've got dealt a bad hand and what was me? Or are you going to say, I got dealt a bad hand, but here's what I did, here's what I did, here's what I did mm-hmm. to try and overcome that. Because, you know, failure is not an option for people who are winners. You know, if you're a winner, if you're determined, then you come up with an obstacle that really shows your character that you can get past. But to be company. to be clear, this was a once in a century, nothing like this has ever happened before mm. situation, right? So you know, like you, you can't really. I mean, you can, but I, you you can't really justify holding an eighteen month lapse. Oh, by the way, in industries, yeah, in industries. So, for example, say I run a big restaurant, uh, you know, chain. Hypothetically, I'm Cheesecake Factory, mm-hmm. and I'm hiring a GM, and I'm in California, and you were a GM at Applebee's, you were a GM at Pick a Restaurant, wherever you were at, and you've been a GM for seventeen years on your resume from 2012 to 2019. You've been a waiter, you know, worked your way up to all the way being a GM in 2019. 2020 happens, COVID takes place, and you're in California. You're like, dude, what the hell you want me to do? My industry has been shut down, restaurants, mm-hmm. and I'm in California. I have, you have credibility with me because that's situational. Of course, every restaurant's been shut down. But now, if it's a different industry that you could have figured out a way to still work, and you're telling me you couldn't have a job? I'm sorry. I don't give you the credence there. Yeah, so, I, I agree. Yeah. And by the way, when my comments of, you know, you, you want to try and make it work, I'm, the COVID issue aside, I'm saying in general, you mm-hmm. know, under, mm-hmm. under normal conditions, when you see those lapses, you, you know, you want to understand, is this person making excuses or are they trying to find answers? Very interesting because I <laughs> – and, and, Pat, you already know this, so I'm not, I'm not dropping any bombs here. But I, I left I've, – I've left one job off my resume my whole life, specifically because I never wanted anybody to call the boss. And, and the reason why is this dude uh, – I was in pharma sales, and um, the, this dude just was like here it incredibly is. aggressive, like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. And he would, he would curse people off, like right in front of everybody, get in the room and just curse everybody off. And I, I had exceeded my numbers in the first quarter. And then they raised my numbers. And then I, I didn't hit my numbers in the second quarter, but I hit what I had done before. And he laid into me in front of everybody. He was like this close to my face, screaming at me in a room full of 20 people. And I literally just turned to him and I went, if you don't get out of my face in the next five seconds, every breath you breathe will be a gift I grant you. <laughs> oh, I got fired. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, I, I've told Pat this, yeah. you know what I mean? And the dude, like, tried to sit me down. He was like, bro, that's just unacceptable. You can't say stuff like that. I was like, bro, you're screaming in my face right here. Like, I don't Roll care up, about dog. I don't care you know, about you know, a job. I, I'm I, a man I, I, first. I, I got I to tell you something. I got to tell you something. So, and maybe this will make sense to you. You know, my uh, uh, three kids, okay, I have four kids. But one of them, you know, she's five weeks. And she just, you know, she's got a full-time job of eating, sleeping, and nursing. That's all she's doing, right? <laughs> And she makes sure dad only gets two hours of sleep like last night. It's her job. It's, she's fully Vampire committed to dad. it. Yeah. Vampire dad. So, you know, Tico has a story. And something happens, you know, with one of my kids. He goes, you know, fight breaks out. Him and another kid go at it. He comes home with a bunch of scratches on his back. And I said, what's this all about? He's got all these scratches. Well, you know, he never wants to tell me about anything that happens to him. He's got too much pride to complain. He's not going to say it. So, but when Melba's, you know, going out there and seeing his back, I said, daddy, something happened to his back. 
What happened? I don't want to talk about it. That's kind of how he is. He's like legit Omerta, like fully committed <laughs> to this whole idea. So I'm not going to stitch on. Yeah. So I'm like, buddy, what happened? He says, well, you know this. I said, what happened is this. So I said, you know, I sit there as a dad. I'm like, you know, the, the parents whose kids never do anything wrong. My son would never do such a thing. He would never do such a thing. Last year, he was taking this uh, soccer class, year and a half ago. I don't know if you remember this. When he goes to a uh, soccer class and he's there, he knocks a kid out. Okay, Tico. He flat out knocks a kid out. And when they kick him out, Jennifer calls me and says, Patrick got kicked out of practice. I'm like, Tico, why'd you get kicked out of practice? He says, Daddy, I got kicked out of practice because a guy punched me in the stomach. I said, Tico, do not lie to me. He said, I'm telling you, I'm not lying to you. He punched me in the stomach. You've taught me to not let bullies bully me. I punched him in the face. And then he wanted his mommy and daddy cry. Mommy and daddy went to the manager and they kicked me out of the. I'm telling you, he punched me first. I said, okay, I'm going to call the owner. I called the owner. I tell the owner, you know the story. I tell you, do you know the story or no? I called the owner. I say, hey, listen, my kid just got kicked out. Yes. He says, you guys kicked him out. Why? Because he punched the kid in the face and guy was on the floor and he knocked him out. He can't do that. This is six year olds, eight, seven year olds when he did this. I said, he's telling me the other kid punched him in the stomach first. You guys are running kids over there, so I'm, I'm assuming you have cameras. He says, we do. I said, I want you to go look at the camera and tell me what happened, and I want you to tell me the story, because if you ever want me to write any positive review about you, I want to know you guys are the right thing. If we were at fault, I'm going to have my son come and apologize to the kid. But if the other kid's at fault, I want to make sure he's held accountable. They said, let us get back to you. Two hours later, they call me like this. Uh, 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 here he goes. We looked at the videos, and, and your son is right. He was punching the stomach first, and then he reacted. Job, but the parents never saw it. I'm like, no shit. But what, how so, did they respond to that, though? Let, let me tell you what I did. I'm so proud of that company, by the way. I, I will tell them, recommend them to everybody. So I picked Tico up. I said, let's go. We took him there. I said, he says, sir, we have to apologize to you. We're so sorry we made this mistake. I said, this does nothing to my character. I don't care you apologize to me. Like, what apology? What does an apology do to me? I said, you need to apologize to my son because mm. that messed with his character. So I take him over there. Guy comes up, I says, here's my son, Patrick, that's the coach. He says, I just want to tell you, Patrick, you were right. You were punching the stomach first, and we kicked you out. We apologize. And Patrick's like, he says, do you accept my apology? No. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick is just like, Tico, accept the apology. No, accept the apology. Okay, accept the apology. (laughs) So he goes to practice. Anyways, this last week, similar thing happens. He comes home, he's got this whole scratch on his back. This time around, I said, why'd you get this? Well, we were playing this game. With kids in school. I said, what's this game called? Man, you're not going to like the game. I said, try me. He said, I'm telling you, you're not going to like the game. I said, just tell me the game. He says, the game is called run up to people and call them a name and run. <laughs> I said, there is no game like that. So they ran up. This other kid gave him an idea to run up to this other kid who was extremely chubby. And they went up to him. They called him, you know, uh, 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 something, something, Mr. Fat or something like that. Sure. And the kid reacts and again to fight and he beats him up. So I said, okay. I said, you understand, you bullied the kid. He says, no, I didn't. He bullied me. I said, no, no, you started it. Tomorrow you got to go to school and you got to apologize to this kid because that's not cool. Mm -hmm. I said, if you apologize, he doesn't accept that it's on him. But if you apologize and he bullies you after you're apologizing, you got to punch him in the face, okay? (laughs) Because you cannot let him bully you because you did your right thing as a character. If he still wants to bully you, now he's taking advantage of the opportunity to stand up for yourself. So he goes to school, apologizes to the kid. I said, what happened? He said, we're best friends now. We played all day together. I said, fantastic. That's great. What's the moral of the story? Here's what I've learned. Dylan doesn't get bullied. Senna doesn't get bullied. Patrick sometimes has these things because it's probably self-inflicted. When I see people that get fired too often or they always have an issue with a boss and it's always complaining about the company, buddy, it's not the company. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people who come to me for job interviews. Mm -hmm. 
you have an issue. You see what and, LeBron and, James? And you look for problems. You create problems. There's a reason why you keep losing jobs. I called a guy yesterday, two days ago, we're having a conversation together. And I said, can I ask you a question? He says, yeah. I said, when you first apply to want to work at a job, this is one of my uh, insurance companies. He says, you said you quit your business because you wanted to spend more time with your family. He said, yes. I said, so tell me what kind of money were you making as a business owner? He tells me the number. I said, uh, if you were making more money, would you have ever shut down the business? He says, no. I said, because I wasn't spending enough time with my family. I wish I was spending more time with my family. I said, okay. I mean, every business owner says that. But most people that were business owners that become employees is because you were probably not a good business owner and you didn't know how to manage a business. Then you become an employee, and then when you become an employee, if you don't get results, eventually you could get fired as well as an employee if you're not getting results. So then says, well, you know, it's not that. It's the fact that I have this, I have that, I have this. So then issue comes about the kid. Same thing happens as a, with the kid as well. So you know what the reality becomes? Here's what the reality becomes. You said something uh, uh, four weeks ago when we were talking about somebody. You said people will find a reason to sabotage themselves to what? Yeah. To it, quit something that's ours. So let me wrap yeah. up with this, and I'll turn it over to you guys because I've been listening to you guys for 45 minutes. Here's, <laughs> here's, here's what, what will happen when they sabotage themselves. I have seen more people use family, their kids, their faith, their past, their parents, their upbringing, their ethnicity, their nationality, the way they look as an excuse to not win. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people use all of those things as excuses why they can't win versus reasons why I'm going to go out there and make it happen. We all got areas to improve in. If there's anything COVID taught us, it exploited, uh, exposed a lot of our weaknesses, every one of us. Let me tell you, all my businesses, the weaknesses were shown, all of them. When, when, insurance, when, when this thing, when shit hit the fan on March 12th, we never sold a policy on Zoom ever. We had no clue how to sell a policy on Zoom. I'm at the office till 4 o'clock in the morning saying, how the hell am I going to teach people how to sell policy on a Zoom? I've never sold a policy on a Zoom. We sit kneecap to kneecap. We don't sit Zoom and talking to you. We got exposed. We have to sit there. So we got to adjust this really quickly. We're driven on a convention-based events. We run offices. People go to offices, leases, all this stuff that we everybody got exposed in the last 18 months. Either you improved and you did something about it and you made a ton of money or you didn't. The reality is the last nine months made more money than my entire career because huh. we made the right, right adjustments. People who made the right adjustments made a lot of money in the last 18 months. But if you didn't, here's what the marketplace just found out about you. Uh Everything that you were able to hide the last 18 months that were bad qualities to not hire officially got exposed. That's what the market did the last 18 months. The last 18 months showed why the market doesn't pay you what you think you're worth. That's the thing about the market. The market sucks. The market is like a six-year-old kid that will say, hey, Mr. Patrick, can I ask you a question? Yes. Why is your nose so big and crooked? <laughs> what do you tell a six-year-old kid? He ain't lying. You're going to say, no, it's not. Yeah. Yes, it is. Why is your nose so big and cricket? You know, because I've broken it four times, and I got a big nose. What do you want me to do about it? Yeah, but it looks very weird. I've never seen a nose like that before, right? Okay, that's what a kid will do. Last 18 months, the market said, you're lazy. You're this. You don't want to improve. You got a big ego. You think you know it all. You make excuses. You're... And the last 18 months, we got brutal honesty from the market nonstop. Don't get me wrong. It's been a tough last 18 months. It's been challenging. It's been annoying. It's been difficult for a lot of us. Believe me, I'm on more late-night calls the last 18 months than I've ever been in my career. I've been in business for 20 years. A lot of late-night calls. But the reality of it is we got exposed last 18 months. It either favored you or it didn't. So that's what I would say when you're talking about that whole story with some people last 18 months when we're hiring people. I know people in the last 18 months that made very big names for themselves. 
that did a lot of good for themselves. Anyway, so that's that's what it is when it comes down to unemployment. If you're out there and you're still com- uh, collecting unemployment checks, I got a bigger question for you. You know what the bigger question is the following. What the hell are your dreams? What are your dreams? Have you compromised all of your dreams? Have you compromised all your dreams for a flipping paycheck? You mean a $4,000 a month stimulus check is worth you compromising your dreams for the rest of your life? I don't understand that part. You mean to tell me when you watch a movie like Pursuit of Happiness and you see a story of Chris Gardner, whom I brought up in 2008 in front of 5,000 people with Mary Lou Retton, I introed him at an event. You see a story like Chris Gardner, how he wins in Pursuit of Happiness, and at the end he wins, and he's a multimillionaire, and he wins for his son? You tell me that doesn't get you emotional? Of course. You mean to tell me when you watch Rocky, and he wins, and you see the robots and Rocky IV and all this other stuff, and his dreams are becoming a reality? You mean to tell me that doesn't fire you up to want to do 200 push-ups afterwards? You mean to tell me when you watch some of these movies and people's dreams are becoming a reality, you're not sitting there saying, I have some dreams. Biggest thing with the stimulus is the fastest way to steal you from dreaming, and it's the easiest way to get you to control because the more you dream and you innovate and you challenge status quo, the more they lose. The more they give you money and you stop thinking about dreaming, reading books, improving yourself, the easier you are to control. So if there's anything when it comes down to money being given away to us, you just have to keep thinking about it. I get it three months. I get it two months. I get it a month. I get it four months, maybe six months. If it's 18 months, you're kind of you know, exploiting the opportunity of getting more money. And quite frankly, you decrease your market value in the last 18 months. While inflation went up, while everything is more expensive, so you're kind of going to be very broke the next five years, and life's going to be very hard. You thought it was hard two years ago? Shit's about to hit the fan in the next five years. This is why you want to use opportunities like this to recreate yourself, and many did. Barry. Oh, I totally agree with you. I mean, this is when you have an adversity, you either decide to make an opportunity out of it or it's woe is me. So uh, amen to that, man. You guys are very quiet. Adam, Gerard, yeah, you guys I like mean, uh, you, you went off. You went off. You're, uh, you went off. You're praying. I saw I'd love for a to second. Hear, I'm uh, looking at you here. All right, let's talk about Bill Maher. Uh, Bill Maher says Tokyo Olympics are out. Uh, woking the Oscars, provo- proving cancel culture is an insanity that has swallowed up the world. Have you guys seen that video? Yeah, what he right, said? Right wing you get a chance to see it. Absolutely sick. Wonderful. Absolutely sick. By the way, Bill Maher today has replaced what John Stewart was doing 10 years ago. Mm. Okay. Do you guys remember when John Stewart brought Nancy Pelosi and called her out on everything? Yeah. And she's like, you can't say that. You just cannot say what you just said right there. So it didn't matter if it was left, right, middle. We need people like Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. So Bill Maher, again, another one of these videos that went viral. Please don't make the Olympics into the Oscars, Bill Maher says. Last April, as he reminded the audience, he said the theme of the year's Oscar show was, we dare you to be entertained. It's producers, he griped, seemed uh, determined not to let the audience forget, uh, forget for a moment the injustices and deficiencies, the human condition. The Tokyo Summer Games, in Mars view, have outdone Hollywood. He reeled off a series of instances where officials and creative staffers faced consequences over decade-old behavior. In, in one case, the opening ceremony musical director was ousted over a 1994 interview in which he admitted uh, to bullying fellow students when he was a child in school. <laughs> He also ridiculed media coverage of surfing uh, becoming an Olympic sport in Tokyo. The Associated Press wrote that having surfing in the games exacerbates cultural appropriation with racial indignities. That's because uh, non-Hawaiians have popularized and mainstreamed the sport with deep spiritual and communal meaning for its original participant. The article's headline described the competition as a whitewash event. As to changes, as to charges that he stands uh, means, 
He has moved farther to the political right, a place on the spectrum, giving to reflexively denouncing cancel culture, Mars said. My politics have not changed, but I am reacting to politics that have. Powerful story by the deadline. It was a great video to watch, Patrick. It was. I thought uh, so as well. I mean, he was so spot on on so many things, yeah. and and to talk about you know going back when someone was six years old and something they did as a kid, and that's a reason to terminate them today. Th that's just absolutely absurd. But they get away with it. When is this cancel culture going to stop? When is this whole thing going? When are people going to stand up and say enough of this bullshit and just stop? Why do you think it's creating so much momentum, though? Why momentum, though? That's the part. You know, you know what cancel culture to me is? Here's what cancel culture to me is. The only person that can do cancel culture is a person who can walk on water. That is the only person that has a moral authority. Yeah, it's, a, it's a witch hunt, man. I don't know if you got what I just said when I'm yeah, saying this. Yeah, 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 we got you. Yeah. So if you walk on water, you listen. You have all the rights. I'm yeah. sorry. I, may, may you know you're right. I can't walk time. on water, buddy. If no, you can walk on can. water, try to cancel us. Well, what I want more than anything else is uh, for them to admit that they're watching our podcast because that entire dialogue is what we talked about on Thursday. You asked us, why are we not watching the Olympics? I said it's just not fun anymore. Yeah. The woke yeah. Olympics aren't fun at all. And then we turned around and we talked about the the – look, you know – Everybody thinks we're right wing, we're this, we're that. We're dead in the middle, man. The culture's gone so far left so fast. So when Bill Maher is saying that, I haven't gone right. He's coming to the same realization that the rest of us have came and, and been like, man, am I, am I, have I gone right? If I, am I thinking about, no, I'm here. Yeah. I've been here. The culture's sprinting left. So if they're to the left of frickin' Trotsky now, everybody's going to seem to the right of them. Even Michael Rappaport, one of the most annoying people on earth. This dude goes from, on Tuesday, talking about get your vaccine or you're a jerk, and then he's crying on TikTok two days later like, so let me get this straight. I can still... I can still Get rid of the I can still give people the virus if I get rid of the vaccine. I'm a super spreader now. I'm like, come on, man. This guy, they're having existential crises here because they're trying to fit in with this with this woke cult. They want to fit in with these elites, but the elites well, are because, bullshit. Because they're, because they're worried about the ramifications if they don't. And that's the thing is that they'll be canceled out if they don't. So everybody's, everybody's treading so lightly. This is supposed to be the idealism of inclusivity, right? Oh, we want to include, we don't want you, except if you disagree with them. Because as soon as you disagree with them, that, that, you know, so, so long as you agree with them, then they want to include you. That's a good guy, point. Guy send a, guy send a tweet, uh, and he said to me, you know, cancel culture. By the way, you guys know the porn star we talked about? She messaged me. Oh, Laurel, really? Very upset. She was happy with you, though. She liked you a lot, but she was upset with the rest of us. Say what's up. And <laughs> say what's up. Say what's no, up. No, she said good things about you. I got, a, the, I got a friend, Adam, that'll buy you some white claws. <laughs> no, no, no. He, not a fan of anybody else, but he was a fan of this. So this one guy responds to me and says, have you noticed your view numbers on this are being censored? Meaning my whole idea about Trump and Obama, this guy saying, have you noticed the views on this have been censored? Meaning you're not getting views. Listen. The only thing that I see is the suggestion side, which you see. Yeah, if the audience wants to get this message out there, they can get the message out there. Here's what I said to the guy. I said, I don't believe the right message can be censored long term. Common sense can't be censored. Truth can't be censor censored. Temporarily, yes. Permanently, no way in the world. Mario said that. And no Mar way in the world. But Mario said that, and he said that to us in the group checks, and it was, a, it was a good point that he says the truth always comes out. My fear, my anxiety, and my trepidation, I agree, the truth always does come out, but it doesn't always come out in your generation. It doesn't always come out in your lifetime. I don't want to live knowing that I was lied to and die knowing that the wrong people maintained control. You know what's a flag carrier? You know what a flag carrier is? What's a flag carrier to you? The definition of a flag carrier. Don't know. 
what's a flag carrier? When you think about somebody, somebody that takes your message and runs with it into okay. the wild and so, so, delivers it. So flag carriers, this is going to sound a little weird, and it's not going to turn anybody on. So brace for impact. This is not going to be that exciting, but it's going to hopefully make some sense to what you're saying here right now, what you're asking about here right now. Some of us in life are flag carriers. Some of us in life are the byproduct of a flag carrier. I am a byproduct of my dad and my mom sacrificing everything they had, including their marriage, everything they knew, the language they spoke, the places they ate. They became the flag carriers to bring their kids to U.S., and my dreams became a reality. One of the best lines that, girl, that lady said on Fox and Friend, she said, here's a man who was born in, Amer- born in Iran, but he's made in America. That was great. That was awesome. Yeah, Kai's like, that's got to be a book one day. Born in Iran, made in America, right? Okay, my dad. But my dad, no one's going to know my dad except for me telling the world about my dad. My dad was a cashier at a 99 cent store. He's a flag carrier. Because of him, I work my ass off to make sure he, for the rest of his life, can say, that's my son. And the reason why he's got the life is because I carry the flag to allow him to have the life that he has. Right? Gabriel's the man, too. Sometimes He loves you, by the way. He loves both of you guys. Sometimes we forget that we don't know what role we're playing in life. Okay? Sometimes you're not the one that's going to be the next president. Sometimes you're not the one that's going to be the next billionaire, the next innovator, the next governor, the next senator. Sometimes you may play the role of a flag carrier. Sometimes you may be playing the role of a flag carrier in an era that other people don't have the courage to stand up and say, here's what what we're going to be doing. But you're helping the next generation win. Nobody wants that job. Who the hell wants that job? Who wants to be be the veteran that goes to war in defense for freedom for other people in the back that are going to spit him in the face when he lands in the airport, comes back and saying, who the hell are you to go to war? And like, did you you realize how many of my friends I just lost? Who the hell wants to be that person that's not going to be appreciated by most people, and then you lost two of your friends and your life's on the line? What is the big deal about that? That's a flag carrier. We have to go back to recognizing these flag carriers that have given us the opportunity to live the life that we live today. George Washington, flag carrier. Lincoln, flag carrier. MLK, flag carrier. John F.K., JFK, flag carrier. These are flag carriers. They carry the flag for us to have a better life. I think, uh, you know, the idea of not wanting to be a flag carrier is the fact that some of us are not going to lose, you know, are going to lose some of our opportunities having our dreams become a reality. I want my kids to have the opportunity to live the life they want to live. You know, and, and their daddy's going to do their part to have that become a reality. Here's a final thing I want to do before we wrap up. Great podcast, lots of great commentary. People, hopefully you enjoy what we talked about today. If you enjoyed it, smash the subscribe button. Uh, if you want to see Barry back on again with real estate topics that he gave, this is the second time he's back on. Barry, thank you for your thank insight. You. Always very helpful. <laughs> Gang, I want to tell you guys as well, in about four weeks, we're doing a live event called The Vault. Everybody's been looking forward to this. Everything's been shut down. If, if, if I'm for anything, I'm for us coming together. I think when people try to cancel Barack Obama's birthday with 700 people, I'm all for we got to come together. I'm all for events taking place. I'm hosting an event uh, next week. We're going to Vegas. There's going to be 12,000 people in Vegas. That's at the MGM Grand Arena. But four weeks from now, we're hosting an event at the Diplomat in Miami called The Vault. It'll be a three-day event. Entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, salespeople from around the world are going to come together to share strategies. If there's anything I can tell you from what happened the last two years, the last 18 months, you need to be around other people in similar situations like you who are finding ways to win at the highest level. you got to find the right community to be a part of. If you haven't yet registered for The Vault Conference, Gary Kasparov, who they call him the GOAT of chess, 
He was first place for 251 months. No one's ever been able to do that. He's a grandmaster. He'll be there because of the whole idea is you got to know your next 10, 15 moves. We have a, a Billy Bean who took the A's with a team that had nothing to what they did, 21-game win streak. Is yeah. that one there? 21-game yeah. with the whole Moneyball movie. He'll be there, Moneyball. And then we have Phil Heath's going to be there. Tom Ellsworth's going to train on how to raise money. I'm about to make two more announcements. Adam's going to be – our entire camp's going to be there at the vault. If you haven't yet registered, Kai, what is the link? Can we put that below? It's got – TheVaultConference.com, if you haven't registered, the ticket prices, today you can get ticket prices for this event. What's the number right now? 697 general tickets. CO tickets already been sold out. I think Founders already been sold out. We only got three categories right now to buy tickets. If you haven't bought a ticket yet, go to TheVaultConference.com, get a ticket, bring a friend, bring your spouse, bring your family, and we're looking forward to spending three days with you at the Vault Conference in Miami, first week of September with many other entrepreneur C-suite executives around the world. Having said that, this has been a great podcast. I've enjoyed it. Mm. Barry, Adam, Gerard. Thank we will you. do this again Thursday. And by the way, Larry. Friday. No, Friday we got Zuby here. Zuby! Zuby's going to be here yeah. on Friday. He reached, that's right. Zuby's going to be here this Friday. Larry Elder reached out. If you guys want to see Larry Elder come on the podcast, go on Twitter. Tag him. Tag me. Hashtag PBD Podcast. Maybe we'll get him on the podcast. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Bye.